Chicago, I'm still in, in awe of the fact that Trubisky threw five touchdown passes in the first half. And uh, the Bears, so I can mention this, the Bears and the Bucks, who they destroyed, are on bye this week. But, wow, that was, uh, that was quite a game. Still should have drafted Mahomes. Yes. Well, I'm, not, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying anything different. Like <laughs> I'm never going to let it go. It was pretty crazy. Good for him. Hey, man, that, he needed that boost. I mean – Literally, imagine if you had thrown three interceptions. Um, it could have gone Joey Harrington south real real quickly. Um, it's a very cerebral position. Um, and if you do not get the confidence uh, from your fan base, Chicago's a tough market, from your teammates, from ownership, no matter how high you're picked, your leash is not – uh, endless, and uh, he's he finally seen that he can do it. I, I think it was a rollover game. I don't think the Bucks are good, um, but we'll see. And I think it's a good start. He's got to build on it. The Bears are sweet as long as he's okay. If he's the 15th best quarterback in the league. We still we still have a good shot at it. So on this show, boys, we and every show we like to follow the schedule off of NFL.com. So go to NFL.com. Check out schedule, then go to week five, and we will be following that list and going down from there. I'm an idiot. I had my sheet upside down. I'm like, what the hell is this team? It looks like a different language. Well, that's the Saints versus the Redskins upside down uh, on Monday. So let me go to the right side. I'm not even baked yet. Uh, the time, this, the game we've got on Thursday is Colts at Patriots. Short week. Uh, we know the big thing that's going on for the Patriots is they get Edelman back. Um, but when we do this, we like to start with visiting team. Stag party, if you want to uh, get going, what do you like? What are you seeing that you like uh, in this matchup and in general as far as a uh, trajectory and projections for the Colts? You know, what I like for the Colts right now is basically it's an Andrew Luck volume offense. We saw 62 uh, attempted passes for this Colts team last week. They've really got no run game to speak of. So they're becoming this sort of spread you out, uh, get the ball out to the playmakers uh, on the outside, and that's doing wonders for Andrew Luck. And then we even saw, you know, Andrew Luck take the deep shot, take his – 
you know, 50 yard down the field Hail Mary play that, you know, Jacoby Brissett was taking uh, the week before he took that one this time. So we, we know he has that ability now. Um, he, he threw some passes 20 yards down the field. Um, so he's looking healthier and healthier as the weeks go on. And, you know, he's very, very, you know, good right now, even without T.Y. Hilton. So we've had some up and down performances so far uh, from Luck, but that was the best, you know, by far. Um, in his last two games against New England, he's averaging over 300 passing yards a game with five TDs. So I look for Luck to be the center of this offense, uh, especially with the got no run game. They're probably going to take that away from them. Uh, so I, I like to see a, a guy like Naheem Hines picked up off the waiver wire because he's going to be a PPR darling. Uh, the targets have been flowing his way on a consistent basis. And then other than that, you're probably looking at Eric Ebron. Even though his you know efficiency over the last two weeks hasn't been there, the opportunity has. And with tight end being such sort of a barren wasteland that it is, he's a guy you got to keep sticking it out with. Um He's got three touchdowns already this season, and they're you know pretty successful uh, making connections. So Ebron's in your lineup. I think Naheem Hines in your lineup, and then if you're looking at you know wide receiver, uh, it, it totally looks like Ty Hilton's going to be out. So then you're looking at a bunch of guys you can pick up off the waiver wire, or maybe see some cheap volume out of uh, you know Ryan Grant, uh, Chester Rogers, and maybe even. Uh, a, a little bit further down the line, you know, uh, the the depth there's you know looked better than it has previously. You know, Zach Pascal uh, had his first you know career touchdown catch last week, so I think things are looking up for the Colts. I just don't know if they have enough to get it done to actually win a game, and that's how you get a ten point spread. How long? Yeah. Um, how long is it going to be? And then I'll throw it your way, Deanie. Uh, how long's Doyle out for? He didn't practice today, I know. Um, is he? Is this an injury that's got him out for um, weeks, or is the fact that we're talking about him not practicing today I mean he's close to coming back? I mean, he's probably not coming back around this week, but maybe after a, a ten-day hiatus or so, uh, we're going to be looking out for Jack Doyle next week if they aren't on by. Dean, you got anything you want to throw down on the Colts? Well, I mean, the way that it just looks to me is that they just, that this is an anemic running attack, so they have no run game. This bodes well if you're a, 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 an owner of Andrew Luck because you're going to get at least 40, 45 attempts minimum uh, per week. And it also makes Naheem Hines very interesting, especially in PPR formats, because without them being able to run effectively, him being able to be used out of the backfield and in the short passing game. And, you know, just wait and see, you know, he'll be able to turn up some bigger plays. And again, just like Stags was saying, the other guys become Chester Rogers and Ryan Grant become guys you can plug and play for a week, uh, you know, here and there, especially with, with Hilton out. So, but even with Hilton in, it, it, when you're throwing 45, 50 times a game, that's a lot of uh, passes to go around. It looked a lot more like uh, T.Y. Landry uh, the, so far this season than T.Y. Helton. Um, I'm agreeing with, with Staggs that the arm looks like it's getting uh, stretched out a bit and he's, he's throwing the ball a little further. 
or at least he's able to, shows showing he can. And God, right now, T.Y. Hilton's totally an inverted kind of more of almost like a high pepper target, low yardage per catch kind of guy. Uh, how long is he supposed to be out? And then let's cruise over to the England, New England side. It's likely a couple-week injury, but, uh, you know, it's a hamstring, so it's one of those things that has that high risk of re-agitation, like we've seen with Leonard Fournette so far to start the season. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about him when we get to that game, but I read some bad news about that dude. Well, anyway, Andrew Luck, 464 yards, uh, just one less than the leader for the week, who is Goff on that silly Thursday night game. Um, and Stags, we want to throw out, you've been tweeting some uh, interesting tweets uh, over the course of the last day and a half, just on just the, just the sheer mind-blowing stats that are happening on all levels, uh, really, for quarterbacks so far through four games. Um, tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, basically the passing games uh, about to hit heights never before seen. Whether you look at completion percentage, whether you look at yards per attempt, uh, whether you look at the number of touchdowns uh, the quarterbacks are on pace for, the number of 5,000-yard passers, the number of 4,500-yard passers, uh, we're in a new age. We've been saying that the pass game is the heart and soul of the NFL. That's even more true today than it was at this time last year. Uh, and we've got healthy quarterbacks in Andrew Luck and, you know, healthy-ish Aaron Rodgers, and that's helping their teams uh, establish strong passing games. So it, it's just fun to watch right now. Scoring looks like it's at an all-time high, and I'm going to keep rolling with it until uh, until it's not. Cool. All right. Well, um, it's always nice when things are um, really high. So we'll move on over to the New England Pipe. I don't know why I got a Southern Bell in my throat there for a minute. Uh, you were thinking uh, about being high. I'm thinking about pie. I am. I was kind I of. Thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to call them the New England Titans. <laughs> Not yet. I, I'll screw that up. I'll probably fuck that up on the. I'm going to screw a lot of things on on the Cowboys Texans game a little deeper into our probably, hopefully, shorter than three hour show. Um, we get through them a little quicker when we're not together. Uh, anyways, we'll go to the New England Patriots. Edelman's back. Uh, while Brady isn't looking um, great and they're sitting at a 2-2 two and two record, uh, his stats are still pretty still pretty um, I- I- impressive on the season. Uh, Woody, and then obviously I'll let you go, Deanie. You got to like what you're seeing out of uh, Sony Michelle. What do, you, what do you think can happen in this game? And um, as far as the Patriots, who always kind of slumber off and September and then all of a sudden hit the pedal running. Yeah, well, the thing is, too, you got to look at Tom Brady while he's had decent stats. Just like listen to what Stag said before. Uh, you know, I mean, Andrew Luck, I think with his numbers, he was still like the sixth best uh, quarterback or something in, in, in one of my leagues. So it's like, how is that possible? So Brady throwing for uh, 274 yards with three touchdowns last week probably made him, uh, I don't have the numbers, but he was probably like quarterback like. 15, 16, 18, something like that. But I think on the flip side here, let's let's talk about Sony Michelle because it looks for sure like New England has found their bell cow back, the guy that they just want to be able to give the ball to more often, and, and he's, a, he's a good dynamic runner. He had 25 carries, 112 yards, and a score. Uh, 
the the great news is 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 and I'll give Stags your, your props on it, and, I, and I'm earning the dividends for having him on a team. James White has the perfect role in this offense, and it's probably only going to grow. While Edelman's coming back, you know, it remains to be seen if Gronkowski is going to go for this one because uh, he was held out of practice yesterday. I don't know uh, if there was a report on him today, but uh, he had an ankle uh, that's, that might slow him down. So, But James White getting a heavy, heavy target share, uh, actually the leading target share last week, and, you know, basically the favorite target for uh, for Tom Brady and has scored three touchdowns in four weeks. Yeah, he's and he's shown he's shown that he's got the he's got the trust of Brady uh, in a many, many, many over the course of a few different seasons. So you're loving it. If you got James White, I don't know what his ADP is, um, but it's it's a, coming at a serious value right now where. um you know, just getting targets and catches out the wazoo. Do you guys think, I think he's got 22 catches on the year for a little under 200 yards. Do you guys think Sony Michelle can keep up with the wear and tear? He's averaging four yards a carry right now. Um, he's just got, got under just 50 carries on the season. And this last week was his, his biggest week uh, so far. Do you think that from what we've seen, him being banged up at Georgia – him starting this, the uh, the training camps in the offseason a little bit banged up. Are you worried about him getting uh, more carries, or do you think that won't even really happen? Do you think he, with, with Edelman coming back, he's going to have that, that perfect kind of roll of touches that suits him without getting too much wear and tear on his body? Yeah, I'll jump in here. I don't think there's going to be many 25-touch games for Sony Michelle. Uh, I do think they're going to keep him more in the 16 to 20 range. And we've seen that be mostly uh, carries. And even when we've seen the carries, they've been mostly under center carries behind fullbacks. And they're trying to get him comfortable as a runner. Um, we haven't seen any progress in the past game for Sony Michelle. Uh, he's still like that second back in terms of snap rotation, but he is seeing that big number of touches but they seem super comfortable with, uh, you know, James White, especially when they're going with the hurry up uh, and in that run game. So I do think Michelle's going to be a, you know, RB2 on a weekly basis from now on. I, I do think there are some overall concerns about what his overall ceiling is. Maybe he, maybe he'll never be the, maybe he won't be a top five back on a weekly basis, but maybe he's in the 10 to 15 range. Philip Dorsett had a touchdown last week. Uh, we know three weeks ago um, he looked electric and he was one of the waiver wire darlings. Um, maybe that was even after week one. Maybe that was week one he was a stud. Um, does Edelman coming back push him down? I know that Dorsett's on your waiver wire list this week, Deanie. Are you thinking that it's, it's, it's Hogan that moves down? Are you feeling like Dorsett still has a role because we don't know what's going on with Gronk and, hey, we haven't seen Edelman – play at all yet this season? Is it just going to be kind of pop them in and it's like riding a bike for him and Brady? Probably. But what's your thoughts on Philip Dorsett and then we can move on to the next matchup? Well, I mean, the fact remains is that Dorsett is the guy that's getting the more of the target share. Chris Hogan had one target last week. Philip Dorsett had seven. Uh, Philip Dorsett is just finding a way uh, to be used in a better way. I mean, he's got two touchdowns now on the year, 16 receptions. So, you know, 
he's had uh, you know a very nice targets. Basically, uh, the one game that uh, you know against Detroit, you didn't have any, but he's had seven targets in every other game this year. So I'm not 100 percent sold uh, the fact to say that you need to run away from Dorsett just because Edelman's coming back. Cool. Yeah, I, I agree with you on a lot of points there. The thing is, my thought with Dorsett is he's still playing a majority of snaps because Josh Gordon isn't playing a ton of snaps. Uh, yeah. So when Josh Gordon really starts to ascend and play more and more of the snaps, uh, be the vertical threat in this offense, Dorsett might wane a little bit. But that's something we've got to see play out a little bit here. Um, you know, Hogan's got a very small role in this offense right now. The, you know, one to two targets a game. Um, so he he's not a reliable fantasy asset right now. Uh, I do think Edelman, you know, if Edelman comes back without Gronk, it, he should be immediately in your lineups. Um, even if not, you should still be willing to slot him in as a wide receiver three, especially in PPR formats, because that, that connection's just always meant something. Uh, and, you know, against a, a team like the Colts, that have been fairly good putting up points this season. Um, I don't think you could really lit off the throttle. And I do think, you know, there's Thursday night games and the Patriots like being under the spotlight. That's when they seem to show up, you know, the brightest. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to the next game. But before we do, do a little on air read here. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, look, no, Further and download Squad QL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does Squad QL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CS, CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. Squad QL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you a player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. Squad QL truly is your go-to app this football season. Head to squadql.com to download Squad QL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. Squad QL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free, both on Apple and Android in their stores. Check it out. Use it or lose it. Let's get over to our next game. And we went a little long on that first one, Smellas, and this one's kind of dudley. So let's uh, let's get caught up on some time. Uh, Tennessee Titans are going to Buffalo. New Era Field. Did you even know that? that new Era? I've got a developer of my company, uh, He's from Buffalo. Do you guys know that New Era started in Buffalo, the hats? I didn't know that. Anyway, that's why their field's there. Uh, so, Scudini, give us a little love on this game. Stag party, drop a little knowledge, but let's get it on and move on. Well, I mean, the thing is, you gotta you got to feel good about Marcus Mariota. Remember what, what, how worried we were uh, about his hand situation and everything that was going on there. And he throws for 344 yards, two touchdowns. He runs for 46 yards and a score. This is not against the chump defense. This is against, uh, you know, the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So I, I, I sit here and I go, that makes me feel a hell of a lot better about what he has going forward. Corey Davis looked like he was a, 
uh, a good receiver for him. So I, I, I think that things can be turning around here uh, for, for the Titans. It'll be interesting to see, you know, Deion Lewis has kind of been, you know, hit, hit or miss as, as the season's gone on. Derrick Henry is still really yet to super impress in any way, shape or form. So um, I think Deion Lewis is the guy that they really need to take a, a bigger role here uh, in order to help the offense out a lot more. And, and this could be the game. I think in the last time that he played against uh, uh, Buffalo, when he was with New England, he had a, a big game with like around 130 yards, uh, actually 100, 130 rush yards, 153 scrimmage yards, uh, and two touchdowns. So we'll see if the Titans look at that, you know, if he re- has those good memories and can light them up again. Yeah, the way I look at it is I, I think this is the breakout game for Derrick Henry. Um, you know, the way teams have been able to control Buffalo is, is really getting up on them early and running late. So this looks like a, a game script game potentially where Tennessee can control it because right now Buffalo's offense is awful. In uh, this Tennessee defense, you know, has looked pretty stout. They're sending pressure from a number of different spots. Harold Landry looks like a, a special pick in the second round that should have never fell. Um, and, you know, you want to get Derrick Henry rumbling because their leading receiver, Corey Davis, has nearly double as many yards as, you know, Derrick Henry does on the ground. And I still think they want that to be a major part of their, you know, team. Buffalo's allowed the, the seventh most fantasy points to opposing running backs this season. Uh, you know, they've done it a, a lot through the air or given up a lot through the air as well. So I do think Deion Lewis can also be successful here because one thing their offense really started to do was get Deion Lewis involved in throwing him the ball on first and second downs. And that's when running back targets are the most efficient. So I, I look for you know both these running backs to pre, be pretty good, but if I have to pick one, I think it's got to be this looks like a prime Derrick Henry. Um, but I do think you know what we saw from Marcus Mariota last week. We saw forty six yards rushing and, and a touchdown, in addition to going for over three hundred yards. So you know that that was a big up. You know Corey Davis is a guy who had a ton of targets. You know heading his way. Uh, the air yards were there. He just hadn't converted. And then, boom, it all clicked into place last week. They moved him around the formation. They used him on deep crossing patterns. Uh, and the guy had the best game of his career by far. Um, his previous career high was like 92 receiving yards. So I'm happy to see what that guy is going to do because without Rashard Matthews there, they need a clear number one threat. Um, just because it'll clear everything else up for the run game and for Marcus Mariota. Yeah, and I like the, the opportunities that are going to kind of happen with Tawan Taylor. I could see him being a guy that can kind of start uh, molding a role for himself. Tashi Sharp had a TV last week. Um, Corey Davis, yeah, he was a guy I was trying to buy low off of an 0-14 last week before the game. Uh, and I, I just, he was just a buy low candidate for me. I knew everyone was down on him, how much he sucked. I couldn't, uh, he wanted too much for him, and then he goes off, and now it's too late. So let's go over to the Bills side of the ball. Uh, Vrabel versus McDermott might be one for the ages. Nah, these guys have never gone up against one another. What's going to happen in this game uh, from the Bills side? Josh Allen. After a huge game the week before, still kind of, still kind of 
putting up stats. I mean, again, to compare him to all the craziness that's happened with QB, um, it, it's nothing. But for Josh, a guy that I and a lot of other people thought was just going to be a, a dumpster fire from day one, he, he's showing he, he's put he's able to get get it done a little better than I had ever given him credit for. So right now on, on them and the run and the running back situation, which uh, you know it's got a couple guys that could have a good game as well. I look at this as you're starting no one uh, quickly. The, the thing you like about Josh Allen is his, he's using his athleticism, which is something we knew he had. Um, and, and that's making him, you know, a fairly decent fantasy quarterback. But when you look at the, him in the realm of all the other scoring, you're correct that it, it's not much. Um, you know, right now they just don't have enough weapons uh, Josh Allen's their re- leading passer and their leading rusher so far this season. Um, so it, it's really hard to get excited about anybody on this offense, uh, including LaShawn McCoy, who, you know, we thought it could be bad, but this is worse than bad. It's like worst case scenario. This offense is averaging 12 uh, points a game. Is that going to turn around? Is it? It, no, is, is Ivory going to keep getting these opportunities? Is this a is this the year that Lashawn McCoy uh, becomes irrelevant? I think they're going to try and deal him. Where? I don't know if there's going to take him. That's, that's reason enough, maybe to buy him low. Buy him low, thinking he's going to get dealt. If they haven't suspended him yet for any of this stuff, it, it looks like it's all off the table and in the rearview mirror. Um, get that guy in a, in a couple of great situations across the NFL, and um, he could he could pay dividends. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, anything else you want to mention uh, on the Bills stag party? And if not, let's okay, good. Fuck that game. Let's move on to the next game, which is going to be the Falcons at the Steelers. Whoa, dog, that's a sweet one. I like that game a lot. Let's start with the Falcons, Deeney. I'll let you kind of. Um, do your thing. I don't know if you've got shares in Matt Ryan, but uh, he right now is the number two fantasy quarterback in fantasy football. I think maybe that was before uh, Mahomes last night, but Mahomes didn't go off off. Uh, but I think Ryan right now is number two at QB. Yep. Matt, Matt Ryan has just been solid. So 419 yards, three scores. Uh, you know, you really got to gotta give credit to it as well because – He's being able to spread the ball around. You know, Julio Jones uh, still led, led the way, 12 targets. Uh, it comes out with nine catches for 173 yards. But as Julio is apt to do, no touchdowns. Then enter the rookie, uh, and the rookie gets targeted uh, six times, catches four of them for 54 yards, and gets two scores. So, you know, right now, you know, if you look at those numbers, you'll say, wow, Ridley looks like, you know, he's really emerging. But, hey, don't forget, Mohamed Sanu is there as well. He was actually second on the team with targets with nine, and it went over 100 yards, six for 111. So, you know, you have great balance here. Uh, you you also have, you know, a, a tight end, Austin Hooper, who really just we haven't even seen anything from, but is a lot more dynamic than what they ever had uh, since Tony Gonzalez uh, no offense, Levine Tuiolo, no chance. So the, the question then becomes, is is, is uh, Devonta Freeman going to come back this week or is it going to be another week? And if he does not come back this week, 
The the other thing that we have seen is with Tevin Coleman, it's just been kind of meh, right? You know, you're being able to pass the ball as well as they have, yet he has not been able to find many big open lanes for running, um, you know, and, and has had to do more of his damage uh, as a wide receiver. So, um, you know, I, I, I look at Coleman and I'll say, eh, I, I don't fear the matchup, but I, I, it's, it's just he has not been as strong as you would like him to be. And then enter Ito Smith, who is mopping up in the, in the secondary role um, and uh, it was the one that uh, actually scored the touchdown. So, and was the more effective runner. But don't judge Ito. Like right yeah. Um, so looking at it, this game started with the opening line of 56 points. Uh, since then, it's been bought up to 57 points. Um, so this is the highest game for Vegas that, you know, definitely this season and, you know, of all last year that I can remember. So I, I'm basically doing something called start them all. Like, I, I think you're starting Matt Ryan. I think you're starting Muhammad Sanu as a flex play. You know, Calvin Ridley and how successful he's been at finding the red zone. Calvin Ridley is currently the number one overall receiver in standard scoring, um, which is good. I got some good little, uh, some little nuggets here. Uh, Ridley's on pace for 24 TDs this year. Julio's on pace for 2000 yards. Um, Basically both would be records. We know that Uh, another good thing uh, that I, that I saw was that uh, Ridley's uh, got six TDs on his last 19 targets. Julio, this one's from Adam Leviton uh, over Twitter, at Adam Leviton. Uh, Julio Jones has zero TDs on his last 93 targets. Yeah. Um, you know, Tevin Coleman, if he's the only back in the backfield, you're starting him. Uh, and I think even if he's the secondary back to Devonta Freeman being back, you can start them both as sort of flex plays. So for the Falcons' side – I don't, I don't think there's anybody you're really avoiding. And if you're looking for a desperation tight end, uh, I think it's you could do worse than you know going with Austin Hooper in, in a game with a 57-point total for a team that's scoring nearly, nearly 30 points a game. Um, sure. Just so you know, Austin Hooper, the one of the few throws that pretty much uh, uh, that, that Ryan missed last – Austin Hooper, wide open touchdown. Ryan overthrew him last week. Yeah. So Hooper, Hooper was a bad throw from Ryan away from putting up a touchdown. Should, like we, touchdown. should we bounce over to the other side of uh, start them all? Yes, start them all. Um, you know, James Conner is the guy who's giving you maybe the most worry here. Uh, but, you know, I still think you're starting him with his ability as a pass catcher. The Falcons have given up 42 receptions uh, to the running back positions already this season. They've allowed four rushing touchdowns. So you're starting James Conner. Um, and, and then, you know, you're starting Antonio Brown. I think you're starting Juju after, you know, his slowest game of the season. Um, and, and then, you know, if you're looking at Ben Roethlisberger, it is a matchup at home. So I'm liking that as well, uh, especially with his torrid pace. He's on pace for nearly 5,500 receiving yards this season or passing yards, excuse me. Uh, and then Julio's look like nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then you you can even go with Vance. I mean, 
despite a big fumble last week, he did pick up 62 receiving yards on four catches. Uh, and this just looks like an offense that has to push it down the field with the pass game. So he, there's another tight end for you. Yeah, but he's he, he's taken over from Jesse James, who um, was getting the heavy target share early in the year, and uh, Vance McDonald has, has dwarfed him, as uh, we saw last week, five targets to one for Jesse James. So James will still be kind of used more primarily as the, as the blocking back, but Vance is going to be the one uh, that, that will get the receiving action. Yep. Going back, I'm gonna, I like throwing out some of these uh, tweets of people uh, with, throughout our industry. And Adam Spinks, and that's at the RB Scout. And uh, he did a, a, an interesting kind of head-shaking, mind-blowing tweet uh, just for those people out there that think that Le'Veon Bell just is a part of the system and James Conner is going to do just fine. James Conner, this on the season, his first 11 carries so of this year, went for 8.2 yards per carry. That's an 82% successful rush percentage. In his last 52 carries since, he's averaged 2.7 yards per carry, and that's a 29% successful rush percentage. Um, so obviously started out really hot in that first quarter, first half of the first game that he lit it up when everyone was shitting on uh, Le'Veon Bell, but coming way back to earth on his last 52 carries. And in watching the games, it's it, it, it feels very much like almost like a Jordan Howard thing. It doesn't seem like they want to feed him the rock all that much. They well, kind of just they want to keep it in, in Ben's hands. Maybe well, that's – go ahead. Maybe that's something that I don't know, but uh, the stats are telling telling the tale there. The stats are saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers are getting blown the fuck out in the first quarter of games that they have to go with an aerial attack. So if their defense doesn't give up two or three touchdowns within the first quarter, quarter and a half, maybe they'll be able to establish James Conner a little more. Do you think that'll – do you think – okay, so one thing we haven't mentioned, Le'Veon Bell told Adam Schefter today – uh, I guess he hasn't told anyone at the Steelers, at least not when I checked it out this afternoon. But Tomlin's saying, hey, I don't know what's going on with him. That's news to me. But Bell said he's coming back week seven. Um, Why is he coming back week seven? Because it's a bye week and you get paid a game check during your bye week without having to play a game? Does that sound like something Le'Veon Bell would do? He's saying, I bet you he's saying that it gives me a week to gel back with the guys. But yeah, that's that's the deal. He says he's coming back, and he can't go back on his word at that point. A, a week when nobody is at the facility to gel with your teammates? Yeah, this this, this sounds completely accurate, man. Like, uh, I don't. I think I'm just delivering the message. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, an I'm not I mean it's nothing against you, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 so let's say. Are they going to keep getting blown out in these first halves at the beginning of the game? Does Lev Bell come back and have a, an okay run this season, or is he going to be garbage? Is, is, are they not – even if he comes back, I mean, going to be like – How, how can you even trust there? what you're going to get out of Lev Bell right now, right? You know, if Lev Bell comes back, but he at any point in time could just say, you know, oh, I feel something, I don't want to – I don't want to. I don't want to risk it. I'm going to pull myself out of this game. You could also have retribution if the Steelers are already out of it. Hey, we dress them. We'll, we'll play them. You give them a couple of carries, and then you bench them for the rest of the game. I, I think it's it's one of these things too, especially of how his teammates feel about him. I 
I think it's a risky proposition. It's one of those ones I I don't know. I, I, the thing that I would only hope for is that he's coming back by week seven so that he can get a trade and, and get the hell out of there. But uh, other than that, if he's there, I, I, I think it's if – he, if, if he commits and he, and he plays, of course you know you're going to get good stats. But at the same time, do you think that you can trust him when he's got that big contract and especially what we saw happen to Earl Thomas? Well, I agree with that. But one of the things that, that he said today in, in the interview is like, hey, I, I still think they – and who knows? This is, this is all window dressing at this point. But he said, hey, I, I still think I can get signed to a long deal, long-term uh, deal with the Steelers. I want to be – I like the idea of that. I like the sound of that. Who knows if that's just you know some of the trade rumors he's heard and where he was going to end up. Uh, we talked about Le'Veon Bell, or not Le'Veon, we talked about LaShawn McCoy. I think McCoy was pumped when he left Philadelphia and got sent uh, by, uh, what's the coach's name at uh, UCLA now? I'm Kelly. What's that? Chip Kelly. Yeah, Kelly, when he's like, yeah, we're, we're shipping you to Buffalo. Yeah. Um, Personally, I think when Love Bell comes back, everything's going to be fine. It's not like guys are going to be out there blowing blocks for him because they don't like him because that's how those guys get paid. You can't put some crap effort on game tape and expect teams to treat you the same, you know. Uh, If you're an offensive lineman, you can't be going out there and doing that. So, you know, I I think once Bell gets back in, you know, sometime around week eight, he's got to be in your starting lineup right away. Um, I, I don't think there's any contention about that. And I think they're going to ride him for as long as they have him because they're paying him a hefty game check every week. And if you have no plans to re-sign him, you might as well try and try and use up every gas in that tank at this point. Cool. Let's go to the next game. Start them all on that one. You heard it from us. Uh, that's I agree with it wholeheartedly. But I love analysis. Before we get to this next game, which is the Broncos and the Jets, Do us a favor and listen to this. All right, Danny, give us a little uh, brain dump on the Broncos. Tough loss last night from them. That was uh, was a a good game. Man, these Thursday and Monday night games have been solid. Uh, Denver 2-2 going up against uh, the Jets who started out first game, looked like a different team with their first win there and then have lost three in a row. What are you, what are you seeing from the Broncos right now? And uh, in this matchup, what are you seeing from some of their uh, stud players? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not seeing a ton from, from Denver, you know, considering they were going against uh, a Kansas city defense last week that, you know, the reason why Kansas city wins is because they just score more points than the people that they're playing against. But at the same time, they also do a hell of a job of giving up a lot of points. I mean, one thing that we did see was Royce Freeman have probably the easiest touchdown run I've ever seen in the biggest uh, exhibit of non-tackling in my life. You know, the person that I probably trust the most on this offense is Philip Lindsay. Uh, you know, Lindsay gets it done as a runner. Lindsay gets, uh, uh, also gets the action as, as a receiver as well. And, uh, you know, he's, he's more of the guy that I, that I like. You look at everything else that I that you see, and you're seeing more of why are we not getting like an Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas to really step up like like I thought we were going to see this year, and you instead have Cortland Sutton who has uh, brought himself into a bigger part of this offense, and Case Keenum is spreading the ball around. 
So when you're spreading the ball around, that just doesn't allow for you to have that top-end fantasy potential guy, and I just don't see that guy here in Denver. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, We did see a lot of success for the run game in that game, but then suddenly it's like, hey, what what should we start doing here in in the fourth quarter? You you guys want to throw the ball a little bit? Um, You know, all while Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman are breaking off, you know, 18-yard gains in the run game, Um, you know, then they decide to just go away from it. So coaching there was a little bit suspect yesterday. Um, But, you know, both those running backs are in the running back two discussion, flex discussion, uh, especially Royce Freeman because he's got, you know, so much touchdown upside in that offense. They look to be a run first team in the red zone. Uh, and Philip Lindsay's the guy. Uh, he's got the most scrimmage yards for any rookie uh, right now um, outside of Saquon. He's just moving the ball. He's averaging 5.9 yards a carry. And outside of that game where he got ejected, he's had 75 yards from scrimmage in every game. So he he's a guy who needs to be in lineups. He's multidimensional. Uh, I do think you're starting. Can I, can I – sorry to interrupt you. Can I say one thing? Doesn't Watching that game last night, Royce Freeman, what, seven? He was at like 64 yards on seven carries. And that, that while Houdini said that was a clinic on poor tackling, it looked like a big boy that was also very hard to tackle as well. I, I get it. Lindsey, he's, he, he, he's, he's, he's been a super surprise. But is there an issue there where if you get – I feel like the Broncos win that game last night if they get uh, Freeman 20 carries. They get yeah, 20 they, carries, Freeman, they win the game. Yeah, and, they didn't run anybody. Like, they just stopped running altogether. I just don't understand it. Like, Freeman looks like a guy that needs to get some more opportunities. Uh, Lindsey, I like him. He's had a great start to uh, an undrafted uh, season. Uh, local boy, but another thing, have you guys noticed Lindsay's the returner, uh, at least some sometimes, and he's also on he's also on the uh attack team on punt on the punts that they do. I'm and sitting he, there watching after he just had three or four carries and had a nice run and they had to punt it. And who's the guy they downed it? I think it went to the end zone. And who's the guy that's close to the ball? It's fucking number 30, Lindsay. This guy's earning his check. I'll give you that. But well, he, look, he's stupid to have this guy playing every fucking down. Well, Lindsey's the guy that basically made the team for them as a special teamer. So the fact that he's elevated his game, he's still the best player to play on those special teams plays. I mean, it was hilarious, dude. Did you guys see that? Where like, it was like he had every carry, he was in every down, and then they punt it, and he's he's the closest guy on a touchback. It's, he'll he'll be he'll be he'll be uh, doing the kicks next week. Yeah, exactly. Um, pretty crazy. Uh, on the Demarius Thomas uh, last play, I saw some stuff on Twitter. I, I retweeted it earlier today. It did look a little bit like that last second to last play of the game uh, where people think Keenum overthrew Demarius Thomas. You never know what's happened. It looked like Demarius got a little bit of a face max grab on his, on his juke move along the sideline. But it also looked like Demarius – kind of loafed it on his route a little bit. And as a result, was a yard or two behind the throw and wasn't able to get it. Did, it, what, did you guys see that? Yeah, I think it was he was off balance. Um, and when you're trying to win to the outside, 
against that press. You've got to make sure to get there to extend the field. Um, you know, widen it. You know, you get off balance sometimes. So I still think that's a, a throw Case Keenum has to hit. Um, no matter if he was loafing it a little by a half a yard or not, uh, you got to put it on him. And that was high and outside. All right. Uh, anything else on this game? I'll, I'll do one thing. Jeff uh, Howerman, wasn't he a bear a few years ago? No. No? Okay. Um, <laughs> he looks He looks like he could be pretty good. With Jake Budd out for the season, uh, a lot of opportunities. He had 57 receiving yards for a guy that's on not one person's fantasy team. Maybe he's on, like, a guy that went to, like, high school or college with him. Uh, but he looks like a dude moving forward – that could be rosterable if you, like as Stag said earlier in the show, it's a weird situation at tight end, a lot of injuries. Um, some of the great players that haven't looked great, a lot of no-names looked all right, and you just don't know what's happening there. I mean, for God's sakes, what is Jared Cook, the number one tight end right now? I think he's number two after Kelsey's last night. But uh, Okay, good point. But, but Jeff Howerman, that looked, uh, Hewerman, however you say it, looked it looks pretty promising. You know, I like Jake Butt before the season. Make insert jokes there. Well, but look, yeah, I liked what I saw there. The, the the positive you have there is that Hewerman is never going to see any type of a double team anywhere in his life. So you know, it's just a matter of you know, as Case is checking down because I don't think that they're really designing plays for Hewerman. But look, if the progression works. He's an easier read. It's a it's a safer throw. You know, he can get open. And, uh, you know, look at Case Keenum uh, had good success throwing the ball to Kyle Rudolph last year. All right, let's move over to the Jets side of the ball. Obviously, it's, it's a different-looking team now than before. I said that at the outset of this matchup. Um, Stag, I mean, Stag, sorry. Uh, I'll let you start on this one. Sam Darnold starts from the top. What do you, what do you uh, think on this and this matchup? Is this, it looks like a tough one for him, but – in general, uh, is this a team that for fantasy owners can turn it around? I think they've had some moments and been all right, but what are your thoughts? And just give us a little rundown on what you what you got in mind for the Jets in this game and, and where they where they sit for the, the the near future. I would feel really good about the Jets right now if they still had John Morton as their offensive coordinator, but. Uh, you know, going with with Bates there, it's a sort of short, don't lose the game type of offense. It's not bringing any fantasy excitement, um, but it's making guys like Quincy and Nunwa and, and Bilal Powell, you know, very valuable because they're catching all these short passes. But, you know, the guy, Robbie Anderson, who still leads the Jets in air yards, uh, you know, and made a ton of big plays last year is sort of been pushed out because they're not taking those shots vertically down the field like they were last year. Um, So overall, it it makes it an offense hard to start anybody, especially with the play of their offensive line uh, last week. And, you know, you look at uh, what Darnold was able to do under pressure. He did some good things, but he's still – you know, a young rookie passer who's going to have some growing pains uh, against a tough defense. So, uh, you know, this is another tough defense with Vaughn and, you know, Bradley Chubb coming off the edge. Um, so I think you're probably avoiding everybody. And then you want to look at Quincy Nunua. He's probably going to see Chris Harris in the slot. Um, 
And that's where that's one of the stronger corners on that team. So the only unfortunate thing is you don't really want to start that guy with the cornerback matchup. I think you can, you know, maybe as a desperation flex out of volume alone. And so the only real play here may be Bilal Powell. Um, uh, and just his ability to do it as both the receiver and sort of the third down running back. Yeah. Th- to me, this is, this is kind of a, a freeze game, you know, the fact that the, they were a fade last week, you know, against Jacksonville and the Broncos bring just as much heat. This is just not the type of matchup that uh, that you want for this rookie quarterback and, and for the guys on this offense. Um, you know, again, I, I agree. It, it's the only two that you would even consider at this point in time would be Powell and Anunma. Cool. Well, let's move over to the next game. Uh, just a little update. Uh I know that me and Stag Party, I know Stag Party's probably got it in the background. Or do you not want me to say it? Do you have it on, uh, do you, are you recording it? I'm not watching it at all. Do you, I, can I tell you what's going on? Ask Houdini. Well, Houdini's a Sox fan. Yeah, but he's I, angry. I know what, I don't, I'm not watching it, but I, I, I do have it on my uh, phone here. So I know what's, I know what's happening, yes. So it's top of the fifth. Should I say it? Top of the fifth, uh, Saints, the first run from the first innings, all we got still. Cubbies uh, one are losing 1-0 to the Rockies in the wild card game. Just uh, come on, Cubbies. Let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off their first loss, uh, headed to Kansas City Chiefs, who are 4-0. and Let's start with the Jaguars. Look like some, some, some serious fantasy points coming from everywhere except for where you thought it would at the beginning of the season in Leonard Fournette. Uh, Stag Party, I'll let you start off on this one, and then uh, me and Deanie uh, will we'll rock the, the Chiefs. I mean, looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars, this looks like a prime streaming matchup. Uh, Leonard Fournette likely to be out, and when they, seem, when they have that guy out of the lineup, they seem to play looser. Uh, you know, their offense is a little more vertically inclined. Um, you know, Blake Bortles just threw for 388 yards. TJ Eldon, uh, you know, did it as a rusher and a receiver and just, you know, been scoring touchdowns. Uh, third game in a row he's looking for with 90 plus scrimmage yards. Um, you know, w- without Fournette in the lineup, this team sort of spreads it out. And they attack vertically down the field. So uh, it gives all of these receivers some viability. Uh, D.D. Westbrook was the guy last week, you know, nine receptions for him. Um, And he's been the most consistent player over the last three weeks. But Dante Moncrief had a big week last week. And Keelan Cole was kind of the quiet guy, but he's had, you know, some of the bigger weeks as well. So, just pinpointing which weapon is exactly going to go off is probably the toughest part here. But I do think there's an opportunity for, you know, all those guys to be, uh, you know, flex worthy. Um, you know, the, the, the position you might think about here is Austin Safarian Jenkins, but they just haven't been consistent enough uh, with their tight end usage to be excited about him. So I, th- I think you play, you know, Cole and Westbrook is flex plays. Um, and then the rest of the guys, 
You know, you're starting Yeldon once Fournette's ruled out as an RB2, but Bortles is streamable because of how bad this Chiefs offense has been. Yeah. You know, so let's let's go ahead and flip it over to the Chiefs. So, you know, you have um, Mahomes, who threw for over 300 yards again, uh, one only one passing touchdown this week, but he also showed that he can get it done with his legs as he had a rushing touchdown. So the only problem that you have is that this is a similar type of tough defensive matchup. If there's one defense that you don't want to play right now, it would still be Jacksonville. So um, yeah. there may be a close second, but uh, Jacksonville just has a way of shutting what you do down. And, you know, but – now you're going to lean on the fact that uh, we have Kareem Hunt coming off of the big game that he had with the 19 carries and 120-plus yards uh, with, the, with the score. I don't know that he's going to be able to do that type of damage against Jacksonville. So this is going to be kind of one of those more kind of slog-it-out games. The guy who I think is the X factor that, that really shines again after he's kind of been quiet for the last couple of weeks, this should be a Tyreek Hill game. Uh, this should be implementing him – all over the field, uh, if they're going to want to put Ramsey on him, uh, you know, so be it. One of the things that we're probably not going to see, though, is we're not going to see uh, Sammy Watkins, most likely, uh, who is dealing with uh, a hamstring injury, in which case then Chris Connolly gets elevated. Uh, but otherwise, Travis Kelsey, of course, is, is your safe play. But this is just one of those matchups that uh, you're not going to necessarily get those high-flying points that we've been accustomed to so far with the young Patrick Mahomes. Mahomey. Yeah. Uh yeah, that was that was sick. That left-handed toss last night, just the oh god, he's just too good. I just uh it just kind of watching it, obviously I have a share of him, so I'm, I'm rooting for him, pumped for him, but I I kinda didn't you just feel didn't you just know he was gonna come back and win that game? I did. I just there was just something there last night. That this guy is as as they used to say or said earlier this season about um Jave Baez, he's your favorite baseball player's favorite baseball player. Uh, basically, Mahomes is your favorite football player's football player. Yeah, um, football player. He's just he's just so good. I don't know if that was a tweet you put out, Sags, a few weeks ago, but there's nothing not to like about this guy. I, I also love the, the thing I read last week um, from uh, the ex-coach of Arizona, uh, being an idiot, spacing his name right now. Yeah, Arians. He's basically like, yeah, he's a top three. He's a top three uh, quarterback as far as just knowledge of the game and smarts, game smarts. And the interviewer was like, "Well, who's the fourth? He's like, "I can't tell you." Is that basically every other one of the uh, quarterbacks that played for him? He's going to think he's the fourth guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bruce Arians is just crack up. Um, going back to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, He's going to be a tough sit. Um, I just, I still think Jacksonville's the best defense in the league. They're allowing the fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, uh, the fewest to opposing wide receivers, and the fourth fewest to opposing tight ends. I just think they're very strong on defense all around. They can get pressure in so many different ways, and then they can, you know, play man coverage against you. Uh, and I, I think Jalen Ramsey is going to be the guy tasked. With Tyreek Hill, especially, you know, when we know that Sammy Watkins is going to be out of the lineup, 
Uh, I think maybe if that was different, you know, things would be a bit different. But uh, that's my thoughts on it. I'm going to be a little bit lower uh, probably than a lot of people on the Chiefs this week. Um, Danny's already out this week for sure. I got to think so. If you're held out of a game with a hamstring injury on Monday night, uh, I think you're likely to miss at least some time. What do, uh, before you tell, tell us about Kareem Hunt, Val Verde. Go on about Hunt and uh, some of the other aspects of this game. Do you think they're just this defense is just tough? But you got to play a lot of these guys just the way it's been going, right? Yeah, that's the problem is I think you might get trapped into playing a lot of these guys. Um, you know, Kelsey, you got to play him looking at the landscape of the tight end position. Hill, you're definitely locked in. You're probably you might have drafted somebody else over Patrick Mahomes, but I just don't know very many people who have the stones to start somebody else than him this week. Um, other than that, Kareem Hunt's going to be in your lineup. Like all the typical players are going to be in your lineup, but those secondary players, I think that's where you have a chance to, you know, definitely avoid. Um, I'm not looking to, you know, Conley or Demarcus Robinson to step up uh, and play a big fantasy role. Pretty, pretty crazy to look at the, uh, the scoring tendencies for their offense, excuse me, versus the defense. Jackson Jaguars, Jaguars are averaging 22 points per game. Their defense is only allowing 14. Then you look at the Kansas City side. They're uh, averaging 36.3, leads the league. Um, and their defense allows 28.8. It's like two different styles. This is like the Jaguars are playing old school dead ball and just winning it with their defense and getting it done otherwise. But uh, the Chiefs are doing it uh, Phoenix Sun style. Anything else you want to cover in this game? Nope. nope. Is Chris Connolly soon to be – is Chris Connolly pick upable considering he's had a TV in his, two of his last three games? He looks like a red zone target from everything I'm seeing. Uh, he's a big guy. He's a talented guy. And, and, and now you've got Watt, Watson out, Watkins out. And Hill is so small and diminutive that when you're in the red zone, he's pretty much – they pull him out, to be honest. Um, is, is Conley a, a guy that can start being considered, especially if the Watkins thing is, is, is for a little bit longer? Well, listen, if, if the Watkins thing is for a period of time and he needs to, to, to prove himself on a more consistent basis because the problem is he just has not gotten, even with all the yards that Mahomes is throwing, he's just not gotten a target share. Uh, you know, And the only reason that he's scoring all these points is that he does have those couple touchdowns. So um, you know, I, I definitely think he's a player that has potential. Uh, you know, We thought that he was going to take a bigger role going into this year when they got rid of Albert Wilson, but that really didn't materialize as then Sammy Watkins comes in. So, again, this is the opportunity is now, um, you know, it's one of those, he's available probably in most leagues, so you could take a shot right now, a perspective shot, and, you know, potentially he could he could step into a larger role. Before you go, Stags, does anyone here besides me think that, and I know I, I like Watkins and you like Watkins, Stags, but, does anyone think they should have given Albert Wilson uh, a little bit of money? It would have been less than Sammy and kept him around. 
the way he's looked in Miami and just knowing that he's so much more sturdy and game ready and plays. No. All right. I tried. I tried. Some, someday I'll get Staggs to bite on an anti – you've noticed this, Houdini, over the course of the last three years. I try. I throw it out there. Staggs is – you're a loyal – you're as loyal to him as any, any guy in the league. I love it. He's not a flip-flopper. He's not. He won't change, he won't change on him. God damn it. All right, let's go to the next game. Uh, but before we do that, do us a favor and help us keep the lights on. All right, inner North Division matchup. Green Bay Packers head over to Detroit City, and you've got what should be a pretty sweet matchup. I hope Detroit better pull it together because they're one and three. Um, tell us what you think. Aaron Rodgers playing on a leg and a half, um, getting it done in the fantasy at the fantasy level. Um, is this going to continue? Is this going to injuring himself more and more? Are you, if you're an Aaron Rodgers, every league I'm in, the Aaron Rodgers owners trying to trade, not so actively. It's kind of lightly, but right now, Aaron Rodgers is a big worry for Aaron Rodgers owners. Um, do you agree with that? Both of you guys, Houdini, I'll ask you first. Would you want to be shedding Rodgers if you can get some good work? Like we said, there's so many quarterbacks out there, and his name holds some uh, holds some some weight. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And then Stag Party, give a quick rebuttal, and then we'll get into this game. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I just think that with Rodgers, um, I'm concerned. You know, that a knee injury that early in the season, and you see the way that uh, that they've had to change how the offense is. Uh, you know, we we saw him only complete 22 of 40 passes last week. You know, still threw for 298 yards. But we're not seeing the Aaron Rodgers that, you know, just makes things happen so much easier. He's having to he, – he's still making things happen, but he's having to work for it and scheme for it and, and protect himself all the while. So uh, long term, I, I think he needs a bye week more than anything else. My thought with Aaron Rodgers is he's averaging 19 fantasy points a game. And if it wasn't for an offensive explosion around the league, nobody would say shit. But, you know, 275 yards and two touchdowns right now just isn't, you know, <laughs> good enough for a lot of people. But it, it's it's good enough for his team to get wins. Um, and he wasn't needed to do more. I mean, Buffalo's offense was no threat of scoring last week. Uh, so I, I do think there are going to be games where they need them. And, and looking at this one, you know, and how, you know, Detroit always seems to play these guys tough. I, I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to be good. Uh, I just think you got to adjust expectations to maybe he's not a top five quarterback every week, but maybe he's more in the, you know, six to 10 range, uh, you know, over his last 16 games uh, against Detroit, he has 34 touchdowns and, it's just six interceptions. Um, th- this is a team he does very, very well get against. Um, you know, in, in his last two games, he's had two, uh, four touchdowns each time. And, and, you know, they've just taken care of the ball, and they do well against this team. Aaron Rodgers plays well against the North Division, uh, getting, you know, he, him pining for his guy and Aaron Jones last week. 
that's just going to add more explosion to the offense and give him opportunities to score more touchdowns in the red zone. Because, you know, when Aaron Rodgers comes out and says, we've got to get you on the field, your coach has to start paying attention, especially when he starts slandering you in the media. Cool. Love, 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 love. All right, let's get down to Aaron Jones. Limited carries. They got 11 carries, but as we thought, it looked pretty good. Jamal um, Williams still still in the mix as well. Is this going to start heading more in the direction of Aaron Jones and getting more opportunities, or is McCarthy going to have this be a community, a committee, uh, what have you? Um, and then, Stags, do you want to answer that one? And then I'll let Deanie, you talk about some of these wide receivers and Allison, Devontae, uh, and anything else, and then we'll move over to the Lions side. Yeah, I mean, I, it's got to start swinging Aaron Jones' way. At least at least when they're attempting to run, it's got to be Aaron Jones. He's just such a more explosive and well-rounded runner. Um you know, so they're going to start to move, you know, rushing attempts his way. It's hard to completely fade out Jamal Williams because they need his strengths as a pass blocker. Um, we haven't seen very many opportunities for Aaron Jones uh, as a pass blocker yet, but, you know, they that's the main area they worry about him in. Nice. Um, all right, Deanie, you want to give us some Devontae Adams? Geronimo Allison hurt himself. What's going on there? Randall Cobb is out last week. Is he coming back and going to be a part of this game plan? And then, um, obviously, Jimmy Graham uh, had his TD last week, um, which kind of now puts him in the mix. But leading up to that game and that touchdown, everyone was uh, a little worried about Jimmy and what he's going to be able to do in the production side of things for the Green Bay Packers. What do you think, Deanie? Well, I mean, I look at it here. I mean, Devontae Adams, as long as he's playing, you you start him all day. He he gets the lion's share of the targets. Uh, Randall Cobb, that that's the big question. If if he's able to come back, uh, how that affects Geronimo Allison. Without Randall Cobb, you can feel very comfortable starting Geronimo Allison. And I would even say with Cobb coming back, especially, you know, depending on if he's not necessarily going to be at 100%, I, I'd say Allison is still a good play. Jimmy Graham just seems to be – I'm worried about Allison even playing. Yeah. He's got a concussion. Well, I mean, this is the whole thing. If you pass concussion protocol, then you're going to play him. If he doesn't yeah. pass concussion protocol, then he's not playable. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, it's not like it's a hamstring injury. It's not like it's an ankle injury. You know, it's going to be a matter of if he if he's able to play. If he is, he's in my lineup. If he's, if he's held out, then he's held out. Uh, if he's held out, then maybe that gives Jimmy Graham finally a chance to actually do something because uh, he just doesn't, you know, he has the, the target in the red zone, the, the, that early thing. He doesn't get used like in the middle of the field, the way that we see other tight ends that are that are stretching the field. And uh, he, he doesn't seem to be a consistent uh, target where he's converting on the passes that, that Rodgers is throwing his way. So, uh, I, I'm I'm really concerned if I was a uh, Jimmy Graham owner. All right, touchdown or bust for Jimmy Graham, but um, the landscape of tight end is like so bad, like so bad. I, you I know. know it's crazy, and now when you're thinking about a third rounder, uh, a second rounder Gronk, a third rounder uh, Kelsey, and a fourth. A third, late third rounder, Ertz, it, it looks a whole lot better. No question about it. 
which is something I've gone high on tight end every year for the last four years. And this year I was like, you know what? I'm going to hold back on that position. Fuck's sakes. Not <laughs> a good time. All right, let's go to the next game. And that's going to be the Ravens at Wait, the Bronx. We got, we got Detroit. We got Detroit. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. I, I got too excited. I'm trying to move through this list. Uh, go to, thank you, Deanie. Thank you for bringing. Sorry to forget you, Detroit fans. Uh, let's go to Detroit. As if you, either one of you guys want to talk about Keon Stafford, and obviously there's a lot of mouths to feed at wide receiver, and it looks like it's going to be kind of a uh, hit or miss type of season for each of the three guys. Yeah. Um, I, I, the hit or miss part is true, but they're all playing so many snaps and seeing such a good number of opportunities, whether in the red zone or, uh, you know, out in the middle of the field and Golden Tate, you know, eight catches last week. But after the catch, he was dynamic as always. Um, Matthew Stafford averaging over 350 passing yards against the Packers over their last couple meetings. So you're starting him. Uh, and if you're starting Matthew Stafford expecting, you know, 300 plus yards, it's hard to not start any of these, all those wide receivers. The issue is how much can you trust carry on Johnson? Because, you know, they're coming out this week saying we're not going to change our uh, running back um, committee. We, we like how it's going even though, you know, carry on needs to be featured and he needs to be featured over LeGarrette Blunt, and there's not really a question about it. Yeah, well, they can say whatever they want to say. I, I think all of us that have been watching the games understand that carry on Johnson is by far the better running back uh, compared to LeGarrette Blunt, and it's – I don't know how many more games LeGarrette Blunt has to go seven carries for 12 yards before you figure out we need to get somebody else the ball. So, you know, I, I think in this division matchup, this is also one of those things, a game against the Packers. They could say whatever they want to say. If they fall behind early in this game, then look for look for LeGarrette Blunt to be sitting on the sidelines and look for it to be uh, a lot more carry on Johnson. Cool. Anything else we want to talk about with these guys? And, and just so you know, when I said uh, the, the carousel of, of – haves and have-nots for the wide receiver crew. Even when the, one guy blows up and the other guys are just kind of okay. But there still is a lot. Stafford's definitely supporting um, a, a wide receiver crew. Do you guys think that um, Galladay is hot out of the gates and going to kind of taper off? Or do you feel like it's a Jones that's the guy that might be um, – <laughs> a little bit on the outs because we know Tate's going to get his, his catches and his opportunities. Let, let, let me answer this because I own both of these guys. <laughs> Do it. It's frustrating because I, I really have a feeling with, with both of them that it's going to be about which way the pendulum is swinging that week uh, as to who's going to get the, the bigger performance. Um, you know, but again, the fact is that the way that this team is set up, if any of these guys gets injured, all all of a sudden, whoever whichever two are left, uh, you know, really see their shares go up. Uh, I agree that Golden Tate is the guy that is completely safe. I mean, um, he's the guy that uh, you know had six catches for first downs last week. But look at Galladay, four catches. All of his four catches went for first downs. So you know, he's a bigger play guy. Seventy four yards he puts up on it. 
Marvin Jones also. I mean, they're all 18, both him and uh, Galladay, 18 yards plus. So I, I, I just, you're going to see a lot of games like I think you saw this week where you're going to get 70 and 60 yards out of, uh, out of these guys. Cool. Yeah. Now we can get on to the next game, and that's going to be the Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns. A different-looking matchup than we've been used to here, and that's uh, super exciting. Felt like the Browns could have, should have, probably would have uh, won their uh, their second game in a row, but uh, some things just went a little sideways. Then you look the other side. Ravens, as they usually do. I don't know if they're the best coach team in the world, uh, but this is a team that just always outdoes. I mean, they feel like a, a, a bottom feeder every year, and they always just kind of, other than maybe one one season over the last eight, just stunk it up. They just get it done and win big games. Uh, last week against the Steelers, Flacco, um, you know, 360 yards, two TDs, and very unflacked no interceptions. Um, so he's been throwing 350-yard games uh, a few times, a couple times, two of the last three this season. Uh, Stag party, I'll let you start out on this one. And what do you like here? What are you seeing from Flacco? Bring it down to the running backs, and then uh, Deanie and I can hop in on the wide receivers if you want or just run with it, and we'll do the, uh, the Brown side. Flacco is, you know, performing well right now. There's not much to dislike uh, about his performance. Um, you know, this is looks like a pass-first team. Now that it has, you know, suitable weapons at wide receiver, feels like they go about uh, five deep at uh, tight end. Um, you know, so far this year, you know, they've got uh, Mark Andrews catching passes. They've got um, Nick Boyle catching passes, Max Williams, Hayden Hurst uh, here soon. So, you know, all those guys are catching passes, and, and it's a very diverse offense, um, and it, it's just working. And, you know, Alex Collins and Buck Allen are both catching passes, and then you have Crabtree and Brown and, you know, Willie Sneed. Uh, things look good for all these guys, man. They're going to keep performing. Um, and, and I like their chances for success against the Browns. Their line's been playing well, and, you know, when the Browns aren't getting pressure, they're still giving up some big yardage. Uh, so the, the thing is, I do think Flacco's a lot more likely to turn the ball over. The The Browns already have 13 takeaways this season, um, oh. and they're pr- playing really well in that area. Um but I think you ride the hot hands while they're hot. And the only thing you're really worried about is, um, you know, Alex Collins and his overall touch share. But he, he's doing just enough scoring touchdowns to remain viable in standard, standard leagues. Cool. Let's go, let's go over. You want to do something on that, Deanie? I, I, I just want to give a tid, uh, tidbit. As, as, as you look at the, uh, the box score of their game last week, it's, it's pretty remarkable. They had seven different players attempt a rushing attempt last week, okay? And 11 different players caught a pass last week. That's that's That was seven rushing and 11 catching. Nice. Yeah. That's impressive. All right, Dini, uh, give us some love on the uh, – carry us over to the Browns. Why don't, you, why don't you tell me how you're feeling about Baker? You were, Weren't you a Baker guy? 
Oh, yeah, I was a Baker guy. I love the. I mean, I think he, you know, he he admitted he he between a fumble and two interceptions, he lost the game for him last week. They were up; they should have lost that game. But um, he owned it, and I love that even more. You know, there's no there's no way you're going to grow as a player without making mistakes. And he, he seems like a guy that's not going to dwell on them, and but but understands the severity of every single thing he does. Owned it. Said this is my team. This is that. Those are my. This loss on me. Let's move on. And that's Studley. When you see that guy hike the ball, drop back, uh, he does not look like a rookie. The way he wings the ball is, I don't know. Hopefully, he gets a little more touch going here soon. Um, and he and he does make some nice touch passes when needed. But that frigging guy throws his arm off on, on most most of his passes. So. I'm all in on Baker. I think if you're a Browns fan, you're all in on Baker. I think if you're an NFL fan, you got to be liking what Baker does. Um, it's it's exciting for the Browns' offense now. Let's just hope that Hugh Jackson doesn't uh, cause them to not get to where they probably could be um, because he's such a moron. He already well, is. He is. You know, and the thing is, too, he he just he really needs to work on his accuracy. If he can just get a, a bit more accurate, you know, you have ten attempts, ten targets for Jarvis Landry. He only got uh, four catches for thirty-four yards. Did get the touchdown. Um, Jarvis dropped one or two balls in that game, though. They were flat out on Jarvis. Like he hit his hands, and he's like, "My bad." Well, they got to work. They have to work on their timing, but. You know, that, the other thing that you got to like about Baker is that he's not just centering in on one guy, right? It's not like he was going, okay, I'm going to give Jarvis Landry 20 targets and everybody else is going to get four. Uh, you, you saw David Njoku uh, really kind of step up and, and uh, also take a huge hit in that game, if I, don't, if I, if I might, might say. Um, but you're seeing Antonio, Antonio Callaway also getting a heavy uh, target share. Uh, and even saw Richard Higgins, he had, he had five targets and was very productive. He was actually the most productive as far as uh, uh, targets to, uh, to catch and yards ratio. Um, and then the, the surprise of all surprise, if you're going to tell, if I was going to tell you last week that, that Mayfield's going to hit a 49-yard touchdown pass, you would never have guessed that it would have been Darren Fells that caught the ball. Nope. Um, yeah. You know, the things you're looking at, they're talking about Antonio Callaway potentially seeing a reduction in snaps. Uh, it's it's because he's a little – he's inconsistent, man. Like, he's one of these guys who's uh, vertically down the field, and, you know, those guys have inconsistent catch rates. And even when he's hit, sometimes he's dropping passes. So a, a guy like Rashard Higgins, they know what they're going to get out of him. He's going to see a little bit more opportunities here going forward. Um, that that's something to like uh, on that side of the ball. Um, Hate to interrupt, but I think that's also. I think um, Callaway got injured on that play that he would have scored a touchdown if he hadn't gotten injured. Um, and I, I just when you put Higgins and I like what he does on those short and immediate route media routes. There's no way that he's able to make that long play. You know what I mean? Like I, I get it. it's another Hugh Jackson like. Yeah, Callaway's been electric. We're gonna pull him back and not have him get be a part of the plan. Seems very new, Jackson X, but I think he's injured. I okay. think Callaway really injured himself on that one. I mean, you saw that play, dude. He held, he, he pulled up limp at about nine to the point where all he had to do is literally stretch the ball with his left hand, 
and it was a touchdown. He was he was hurt. I'm not I'm not I'm not counteracting. I'm just I'm, I feel like I feel like it's dumb Hugh Jackson trying to mask and make something that's different than what it actually is. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, anyway, keep going, buddy. Uh, but I think you're excited about everybody else in the offense. You know, Nick Chubb had two giant runs uh, on just his three carries. Uh, you know, one of them, you know, just broke big and then he broke another big one late. And, you know, they're saying they're going to sprinkle him in a little bit more. Uh, I do think it's going to come a little bit at the expense of Carlos Hyde, but Carlos Hyde has been, you know, decent. The problem is they're just still trying to make Carlos Hyde a single back runner when he's really a shotgun spread him out style. Uh, so that's something I think you need to look out for as Baker Mayfield gets a little bit more comfortable that maybe they'll start going a little bit more shotgun and making sure he's comfortable. Maybe that's, I guess you don't get enough for running back. Maybe remember last week I said, hi, uh, Duke should be a guy that trade. Uh, give Nick Chubb more opportunities See if you can get something good for Hyde for a team that needs a running back. Uh, anyway, I know that I know that the value on these running backs is enough. It's better just to keep that depth. Uh, anyway, anything you got to uh, add to the situation here, Dean? Or should we get to the next game? Let's move it on. Moving on down. All right, we're going to the next game, and that's the New York Giants heading down to Carolina Panthers. Dean, I'm gonna let you uh, start off with uh, Eli Manning. I saw the I saw a funny tweet. I'm not gonna verbatim it or anything, but like, isn't it sort of shocking that Eli Manning's gonna shit the bed with Saquon and OBJ and Evan Ingram and uh, and it's like it doesn't matter what you do on that team. The root of the problem is Eli Manning, and again, I know he's two time Super Bowl champion, but at this point. It's it's a war. Yeah, it's it, it, it's really bad. Uh, there was there was one play in particular. It was wasn't even like a it was a third down play, and OBJ was breaking out uh, toward the left sideline, and Manning just completely overthrew him, and and OBJ just like looked back, and Manning, you know, he he, he kind of had like a little bit of that Cutler sour face going on, and refuses to just take responsibility and just like. You know, where, you know, he should be just like saying, look, that was on me. That one's on me. I'll get you the next time. It's like, I don't think he thinks he can get it the next time. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough, right? I mean, when you're looking at it, if you, you know, you sitting here and you're going, man, OBJ should be having a huge year with what you have with Saquon Barkley and, uh, and, and it's just – it's not materializing. You don't have any – here's a great stat for you last week. So, of all the guys that caught passes last week, the, the highest yards per catch average was 9.67, and that was Rhett Ellison. So, what oh. does that tell you? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I mean – he needs to play better, plain and simple, because they've got all the weapons there. You know, the pocket uh, and protection has been a little bit cleaner in recent weeks, but he just seems a lot more apt to, you know, play conservative. And you're talking about third down plays. They've got like a third down and 14 or 15, um, and he throws a one-yard screen to 
um, or a one-yard dump off to Sterling Shepard, you know, nearly at the line of scrimmage. Um, when Odell Beckham's there trying to break out uh, towards the sidelines. So uh, it just hasn't worked as it should, but Odell's still seeing a massive opportunity share that you have to believe it's going to come back around. Uh, it does look unlikely that he's going to be a giant touchdown scorer this season, but he's going to get his, and he's going to start breaking these short plays because they're going to have to start you know, designing some plays for him to get the ball in his hand early in games. It's sort of like Shermer did with Stephon Diggs. He wanted to get him active early and then see what happens because, you know, Odell's a guy who, you know, needs the ball. He's one of the most dynamic players in the league. So yep. not only that, you, you, need it for, yeah, well, you, you need it for the psyche of everybody on the sideline too, right? Because if he's not getting the ball early, then he starts complaining. So yeah. then you're hearing him barking on the sidelines. You got to feed him early, get him going. You know, I, I, it, I agree. It, it, it just, they need to, they need to change some things up here. You can't just, just run old, stupid offense you know you gotta you gotta create with what with the weapons that you have and you got weapons that's that's the crazy thing yes sir anything else in this game i think you start eli start or not not eli excuse me (laughs) you start saquon you start odell you start sterling shepherd uh that's it don't get uh, evan ingram getting back it's gonna be you know maybe a month Wow. Bell Verde. Let's move over to the Cal- uh, Carolina Panthers. Um, I'll let you, you want to take it and run with it a little bit, Houdini? Um, sure. So, you know, I, I mean, I'll tell you what, the, you, you have the Panthers that are coming off of a bye week here. So you, you have a chance to, to kind of prepare for exactly what they're going to get. I, I think Cam is a, a very solid start in this game. Um, you know, I, I know that we saw uh, the the Giants defense do a good job against Drew Brees, uh, but again, that's also one of these Drew Brees being uh, on the outside uh, of the dome on the road. He's a completely different quarterback. You know, I, I'm also going to take into the effect here that the Giants are going on the road, and you know, I, I think that you're going to see a, a good performance after we saw what uh, Alvin Kamara was able to do. I think that uh, we should see a lot of Christian McCaffrey uh, doing some of the similar types of things as a receiver in this game, uh, and and that he should be a very solid play against this Giants defense. Um, and uh, you know, other than that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to use DJ Moore more in the offense this week. Um, you know, you only had the one catch in the in the game before was the for the touchdown, uh, and then they had the bye. So. Um, they still are looking for a real replacement uh, for Greg Olson at tight end. Uh, and really, um, you know, that has not materialized either. So I think that that also leads to why you're going to see a lot more McCaffrey work in this game as well. Yeah, I think it's McCaffrey and Cam getting it done as rushers. Um, and then Funches, you know, being sort of, you know, potentially a red zone threat. And then, uh, you know, getting 60 to 80 yards receiving. So I think it's a very concentrated offense and it all starts and ends with the run game right now. For sure. 
Uh, Funches among us. You have any love in him or in this matchup? Is he getting getting it done, or is Deeney right, and we just gotta get let more open it up for him a little bit more? Uh, Corey Smith. Nah, Funches is probably gonna be a red zone threat. He's their best, uh, you know, red zone receiving weapon, and he's probably good for sixty to eighty receiving yards in this game. Although we'll probably uh, get jammed up a little bit with Janoris Jenkins. <laughs> All right, before we go to the next game, do us a favor and listen to this. All right, the Dolphins head to Cincinnati and to meet the Bengals. Both teams are three and one. Let's start with the Dolphins. Tannehill been looking looking solid. Obviously, they lost this week in uh, a poor performance to the New England Patriots. Can they bounce back in this this setting? A team that lets up a lot of uh, points on um, their defense, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. What are your thoughts, uh, Stag Part, if you want to drop in on some Tanny? Um, Frank Gore looks to be the leader of, of, of kind of that backfield, as crazy as that is. He's getting more he's getting more go than Drake, but I'll let you do your thing. I don't know. I, that's another one. It's like, hey, they were getting blown out early. But the Drake thing is utterly confusing because he's their most dynamic person in the backfield. And this is a team that's struggling sometimes to sustain offense. And then at times they, you know, just don't even care. But, um, you know, I think you're, you know, you can start Tannehill. The defense for the, uh, the Bengals is allowing 420 yards a game. Uh, they've been decent in the red zone at stopping opposing teams from time to time. And Houdini, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the week they get Vontez Perfect back? I believe this is, and that makes a big difference. That makes a big difference in the middle of that uh, of that defense. Yeah, I know you, you think he's a major impact player, and when he's on the field, he's shown to be. So, uh, you know, I like that aspect for that defense. But the problem is they're just playing so slow. It's hard to project the volume going around and around for these guys, um, just because. It's like 50 plays a game, and they're not doing anything exciting. And, you know, Tannehill's been playing a little bit of point guard, but it just didn't work last week. Um, This week I think it's a little bit better. Um, As long as they can hold off Geno Atkins, it's just hard to look at who their, you know, consistent starters are because they don't really have any consistency because even their number one receiver, Kenny Stills, is sort of a boom-bust player. Then you look at Albert Wilson, he's been boom-bust. Devontae Parker's been inactive or inactive. Jakeem Grant, boom-bust. Uh, you know, Drake just busts so far. <laughs> Crazy. I, I liked what I – I like the promising uh, Drake horizon for this year, and it's been uh, anything but. Deanie, you got anything for the Dolphins? No, I mean, I'll just kind of reiterate what I said. It was either the last podcast or the one before. It's that, you know, the Dolphins are winning games, uh, but they're doing it with a very uh, conservative offense and a conservative approach. And so uh, when you have that, you're just really not going to put up a lot of fantasy points. Makes sense. We saw that last week against uh, New England, seven points on the board. Let's go to Cincinnati Bengals. 
There was a little bit of a worry that AJ Green wasn't going, was going to have uh, his groin issue, would keep him out. He came back, didn't have a huge game, uh, but did have the game winner. And you're looking right now, I think I read earlier that Tyler Boyd's got more targets, catches, and yards on the season than AJ Green does. AJ Green still, I think, at number seven, maybe, uh, for wide receivers. He's a top 10 wide receiver. So obviously, those touchdowns are making their impact, um, and he's, he's getting it done. But right now, Boyd, wow. He's, uh, he's, he's what stag you're you're see a wide receiver too or is he a uh three flex play uh i think this weekend you're looking at uh probably a wide receiver too until time shows differently um aj green's likely to get a lot of xavier howard leaving you know tyler boyd with probably the best corner matchup maybe he sees a lot of minka play in the slot uh but when he's lined up on the outside uh, it, it's going to run through them, especially you know now without Eifert and likely without John Ross, who came up gimpy on his own you know touchdown score. Uh, you know, similar to what you're talking about with Callaway, uh, he just found the end zone. So that, that's the only thing that's concerning is now it's going to become a much more concentrated offense. Um, running back, I think you're starting whoever's the starter. So if Joe Mixon's active, just go ahead and throw him right in your lineup. If uh, you know Joe Mixon isn't inactive, you're you know you're throwing out there Gio Bernard because he's getting it done as a receiver and you know well enough as a rusher. So that's my thoughts. It becomes a much more concentrated offense, and you know Dalton's the leader of that right now, uh, with averaging nearly 300 passing yards a game. Yeah, he's tied here second with 11 TDs as well. Before I throw it over to you, Deanie, is the word out that Mixon might be playing this week? Game time decision? Do you think it's more of a next week thing? Well, they're saying saying that it's uncertain at this point in time, so it's likely going to be a decision either for later in the week or potentially up to a game time decision. So, um, you know, this this is the time frame about when he could come back, you know, especially now. It, it, this is also going to be a decision on, on their end. Do you want to risk him coming back after you just lost, uh, you know, Eifert and potentially are, not, are going to be without Ross, or is that the reason why you're going to bring him back? But the other point that I'll make is uh, don't don't sleep on Tyler Croft, you know, when you're talking about tight ends uh, with all the injuries that are out there. Croft had to come in and, and play for Eifert last year uh, uh, during the injury, and you know, while he doesn't put up necessarily sparkling uh, receiving numbers, I think he had about 400 and some odd yards last year. He does score touchdowns. He had seven of them last year. So yeah, the, the problem with Croft is right now they're not like committing to him. And Uzoma has been the guy who they've been using a lot more to run routes uh, and, and be the receiving tight end component. So I just wonder if they like the role Croft's in. And if they're just going to sort of promote Uzoma uh, to be that, you know, situational pass catching tight end. Well, that, but, that's, the, that's the thing, though. I think that Uzoma, you know, is not necessarily on the field as much because of potential uh, issues in blocking. And so yes. that's why Croft is always usually out there in the red zone when they're stacking the line and then being able to get that block and release type touchdown catch. Cool. I like that call, though, Dini. Keep your eye on that one. Um, 
I did notice that you're right. The the other fella, Zuma, uh, was getting a lot of play when I was watching the game the other day. But Croft, he was a great pickup for a couple weeks right out of the gates last year. And that's a big boy. I think he's one of the biggest. I think he's like, he's a six seven guy that can run, I'm pretty sure. Um, all right, let's go on to the next game. And that's going to be the first of our early batch games. This is going to be Oakland Raiders going down to L.A. <coughs> to play the Chargers. Um, Oakland got their first victory of the year um, on Sunday. Derek Carr put up a nice friggin' fantasy game, 437 yards and four TDs. Can he keep this going against the uh, excuse me, the Chargers, who we thought were going to be a little bit more of a stout defense, but they're letting up 30 points a game. They're letting up fantasy uh, yards and points uh, themselves. Yeah, well, you know, here's the problem. So the Raiders – uh, have to score a lot of points because they gave away Khalil Mack and they can't stop anybody. <laughs> Khalil Mack had more sacks and forced fumbles and uh, than 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 the Raiders hold defense. So when when you're looking at it, you know on the outside here, Derek Carr uh, had they had good balance last week though against uh, the Browns. I mean, so if you're a Marshawn Lynch owner, you got to feel comfortable, you know, with the game that he had. He, he broke off the big run. He was running angry, um, and that's the type of, uh, of of things that right now, when you're facing a Joey Bosa-less uh, Chargers defense, uh, you, you need to have beast mode in full effect. So if he can carry through uh, with with that intensity that he was playing with last week, he, he could have a, a good potential for a nice game here against the Chargers. Um, as far as the wide receivers go, you know we, we saw the reemergence of uh, Amari Cooper. Uh, with the uh, second on uh, the team in targets to Jared Cook. Uh, he had 12. Uh, both him and Cook finished with eight catches and over 110 yards for Cook and 128 for Cooper uh, and three touchdowns between them. Um, Jordy Nelson with their miracle save. But I just really kind of look at this and I say, okay, when I'm, when I'm looking at those receivers, um, you got Derwin James on the other side and you got, uh, you know, the Chargers are still – Stingy enough, I, I Jared Cook has got to be in your lineup just because of the way that uh, Derek Carr and him are, are, are basically connected. Um, and then when, you, when you're looking at between Cooper and Nelson, I'll still give the odd the, the nod to Cooper, but I mean, you know, this game was was a nice nice to see. But he goes from either being giving you wide receiver one numbers to giving you uh, barely flex numbers in other weeks. Yeah, I, I agree a lot. Amari Cooper is one of the most up-and-down receivers, but in two, uh, two of his last three games, eight catches, 100-plus uh, yards. Uh, they're moving him around the formation. So you're seeing a lot of things you like. Derek Carr is throwing the crap out of the ball right now. There's a lot of opportunities. You know, Marshawn Lynch, uh, in, in addition to sort of going off last week, uh, had over 100 yards rushing against this team last time they faced last year. Um, you know, as you mentioned, running angry. Uh, and, you know, especially when they blow a whistle on another TD for you early in that game, you're going to run pretty angry. So I, I think you're rolling out pretty much everybody here. Derek Carr, uh, you could probably play on volume alone. 
Um, but I, I'm still a little hesitant there. I think he's more of a two QB play than a you know top twelve um, QB. Marshawn Lynch should be in your lineups. Amari Cooper in your lineups. Uh, flex play of Jordy Nelson. And then, you know, Jared Cook absolutely in your lineups after what he's been able to do. And, you know, 370 yards receiving, um, you know, this season has been great. It's what we've always wanted out of him. We know he's a, you know, mismatch even at his, you know, now advanced years. The guy's big and he's fast. So he's a tough cover, uh, especially for the linebackers of the Chargers. Um, I'm bummed out I stayed away from him him because – had him in previous seasons. I remember one time when he was in the Rams, he opened up the first game, had like 180 yards, two TDs, and literally people are like, hey, want to trade you Aaron Rodgers for him. You're like, no, I'm going to stick with him. And the rest of the season, it's like two catches. I, th- I thought that was happening here, and I stayed away from him off the waiver wire on a, te- on a tight end needy team. Mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. Yeah, uh, we'll see if it can hold up. But he, Cook, and Carr definitely look like uh, they're on the same wavelength. I, I, I'm with you, D Rex. Uh, and, and by the way, in that game where Jared Cook had that huge opening, he also got tackled on a what would have been like a seventy-yard touchdown at the one one yard line. Um, I remember. And I'm in the same boat because I have Gronkowski, and so I, I had him and Cook. Uh, uh, before the season started and I needed to make a move, I wanted to grab a wide receiver. I'm like, oh, I got Gronk. I don't need to worry about the second tight end. So I dropped Cook. <laughs> he goes off for the 180 yards. Oh. Oh, well. All right, let's go over to the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, you know, there's I, – I love, I love what Stag Party says, and I think all of us disagree. Melvin Gordon, not the sexiest guy. He was a bona fide first rounder for the last three years. You look at the ups and downs of other running backs taken in that first round over those three years. And you just got to say, like, he's probably the most consistent running back there is. He just gets it done. And even in a game or a a matchup that you don't think he's going to get done, he gets it done in a different way than you anticipated. I'm going to tell you right now, if Melvin Gordon's not – just uh, if everyone's not a fan out there of Melvin Gordon, you need to watch this guy play. He is, he's just a great football player and he is a great fantasy deliverer for people that get him. And you never have to go too high on him uh, in drafts. Maybe that's going to change, but I doubt it. Uh, Melvin Gordon just gets it done. Yeah. Keep starting him. Uh, I think you're pretty much, Start them all here when you look at uh, the strength of the Raiders not being on defense. Um, you know, Rivers uh, last time out, you know, threw for 250 and three TDs last week. Um, he's got three TDs in what four of his last five games. He's just awesome. You know, uh, they keep just throwing the ball. Um, you know, last week it happened to be Gates, uh, but Keenan Allen is, is a guy who's notoriously been good against these Raiders. Uh, Austin Eckler continues to put up yards. Um, I think he's got 350-plus scrimmage yards so far this season. He's just been incredibly consistent, even as a backup, that you can start him in, in a desperation flex role. 
Uh, and, you know, he's also there in the red zone. So, Can I ask you, guys, can I ask you a question? And this is for either of you. I'll let you, you go first, uh, Stags, because you're on the topic. But Keenan Allen, kind of a disappointment. Usually he disappoints when he gets injured. But when he's healthy, he's all in there. Is Mike Williams, uh, is, is that the reason? Is everything going to turn around? What are your feelings right now on um, Keenan Allen? Is is it, a, is it a sell low, buy low, sell low, buy low? Is if anybody is... If anyone is selling low on Keenan Allen, I'm willing to buy. Uh, this is an offense that's going to have to go to their most consistent player uh, at times this season, and Allen's that guy. Uh, right now, it just so happens to be that, you know, between Eckler and Gordon, they're getting it done as receivers so effectively uh, that they really haven't needed to hammer the wide receiver position. Even last week, um you know, it just didn't work out, but, you know, the talent is there and his opportunity is there. I think it's going to turn around. So uh, if, if somebody's selling, I'm buying. Yeah, I, listen, you can't be worried about Keenan Allen. I mean, even just look at last week where it wasn't a, a great week. He, he was a guy that got 10 targets as a receiver. Uh, the next closest wide receiver was Terrell Williams with five. So, you know, it just happened to be Melvin Gordon's week last week. Uh, but the, the people that you, you – I don't worry about Keenan. I'd worry more about between Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams, which one is the one that is going to be more effective to start on a week-to-week basis. Uh, that's where your issues should come in. Uh, you know, if somebody – I agree. If somebody wants to sell low or just wants to get out of the Keenan Allen game, uh, I'm in. Cool. I like it. Let's go to the next game, which is going to be the Arizona Cardinals at the 49ers. Eh, Let's just uh, hear a word from our sponsor. Josh Rosen in his first game. Not a a bad start. I feel like... uh, and he probably feels like it, his smug self. Uh, the kicker brings it home. They win that game in his first start. He misses it, and they don't. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this one? Stag party, open it up. Give us a Rosen, Johnson, Fitzgerald, and I think that's kind of where it ends. Let's, let's say that Josh Rosen has played one series and you know one portion of the game and is already – the Arizona Cardinals leading passer on the season. And that sort of just tells you what you need to know uh, about what, how things have gone in Arizona so far. This is a team in need of, you know, some creativity uh, when you've got David Johnson and we, we just haven't seen it just yet. Um, you know, they're, they're using them occasionally out at wide receiver, but not enough. They're not using them enough as, uh, you know, a receiving back out of the backfield either. But Rosen looked like the real deal, and his teammates sort of let him down last week. Um, you know, he had plenty of opportunities to, to make plays, and he gave people opportunities, um, and, and it just didn't work. The The only thing you can hope for is maybe that this is a Larry Fitzgerald coming back game, but, but I really think you're starting David Johnson – and, and maybe RSJ, if you're desperate at tight end, um, 
but you know, Jermaine Gresham pilfering a touchdown that doesn't help his sort of stack any. Yeah, and the other guy, you know, in, in, if you're in a deeper league um, or in like a, a D-Rex rookie league, do keep your eye on Christian Kirk. So Josh Rosen did target him five times. So he was second in targets behind Fitzgerald last week. You know, the yards weren't there, only 28 yards on four catches. But uh, he, he definitely has a comfort level with his fellow rookie and uh, and that's something that could uh, develop as the year goes on, especially because defenses are still, as always, as they should, are going to pay more attention to Larry Fitzgerald. Love it. Anything um, Anything else in this team? Larry? Yeah. yeah, Larry. All right. Let's go over to Fitzgerald's favorite uh, opponent over his career, and that is the San Francisco 49ers. C.J. Beathard, Iowa's finest. Uh, had an all right game, man, in his first one, almost 300 yards, a couple TDs. Almost got himself killed. Yes. Had to come out of the game because of it. <laughs> um, yeah, Beathard looked all right. Uh, you know, put up plenty of passing yard numbers. And this is a team that's going to need to just continue to throw for pure volume. And they were doing that when he was starting uh, last year because they – you know, without Garoppolo, they don't have one of these game breakers that's able to change games, um, and it, they're not a very good team without him. Uh, completely different team with them. Um, but you look at Beathard, and it looks like it's Matt Breida is the number one running back, uh, and he's been very effective, uh, and they're getting him involved as a you know, dump off option. And that's good for his fantasy prospects, especially in PPR leagues. Um, the rest of the guys, I think it's Kittle. And then, you know, desperation flexes. Maybe I don't really want to start any of these wide receivers uh, with how they're currently playing. No, look, George Kittle, you can trust Pierre Garcon uh, gets a, 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 an uptick, right? So he saw a lot more targets, but, this is this is old Pierre Garcon, so it, there's just not a lot of yards that are coming with it. He had 11 yak yards in the last game, and then you have like Marquise Goodwin, who you know can C.J. Beathard actually throw him that deep ball uh, and lead him? And the answer that I come to is no. So that takes him out. And then you had you know, and Dante Pettis uh, had to leave with an injury. There's nobody else that you can you can trust at all. It's it's Kittle all the way. Uh, and I, I agree, Brita, you can go with as well. Those guys, uh, yeah, Kittle, Kittle's stat line looks pretty sweet. And those guys were together in, uh, on the Hawkeyes. So let's go. Yeah, we're done there. We're moving on to the next game, which is going to be the Vikings at the Eagles. This was last year's NFC Championship game. I think you would think that the Minnesota Vikings will be a little further along than they are, but hell, the Eagles are two and two themselves. This should be a pretty sweet game. Does that translate over to the offenses and fantasy? Um, because they're both defensive teams as well. Stag party. You think this is a kind of a mirror to that Rams game where it's just high volume. It doesn't matter what the defenses can do. 
Yeah, I think it, both teams are going to be high volume. And I think uh, to win, that's what they have to do right now. Her Cousins is passing the crap out of the ball. Uh, you know, he's got nearly 1,400 yards passing, 10 touchdowns and two interceptions. They, they just are going with it. Uh, and it's a pass first team. Um, you know, D- Dalvin Cook came out of that game and really wasn't, you know, hyper efficient uh, before that either. Um, you know, just a couple carries and ended up with 20 yards. Uh, Adam Thielen's been producing every single game this year. Uh, he's one of what, two players. Uh, with four straight 100-yard receiving games uh, in in the first four games of a season. He's locked in. The number of targets he's seeing on a weekly basis is great. Um, so I saw, I saw a stat about his first quarters. His first quarter of games so far, it is insane the amount of targets. Like I might be botching this, but his first quarter – of the first four games, it, it his target share would be a record in the NFL. Hmm. Yes, that's crazy. That's how much that's how and he's getting it done over the whole game, obviously, but his first quarter has been insane. In yeah. Game. I think you're starting Diggs, I think you're starting Thielen, I think you're starting Kirk Cousins, you're, you're starting Rudolph Houdini. What do you think about your boy Dalvin Cook? Is he back? Is he healthy? Is it his go time? Uh, this is not the matchup I, I, I would feel very comfortable about. So um, it, it, I'm not, I'm just not liking the matchup for him. Uh, there are better weeks ahead for my boy, and I do believe that they will come and, and he will shine. Uh, but if he's going to do it this week, he's going to have to do it as a receiver. So you're believing in him. That, that's a buy low guy for you, huh? Yeah, for sure. I like it. What about you, Stag? I, I, I like that call, too. He, he looks a little injured to me, but um, that, does, that's, that, that doesn't mean you don't get healthy within the next few weeks. Stags, you like uh, long-term Dalvin Cook as a buy-low guy that can turn it around on a, on a potentially Super Bowl-winning team that's got some serious scoring going on now that they got Cousins behind center? Yeah, I mean, I, I do like him as a buy-low Um I'm just not willing to pray, pay preseason prices where he was a first or second round pick. So if you're getting him at any kind of discount, I got no problems with him. Mean. Well, anybody that anybody that's going to trade him can't be demanding that much at this point in time. <laughs> you know how stubborn motherfuckers are. Well, I know. Well, then that's why they end up continuing to lose week after week. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles side of the ball. Wentz, we were talking about Cousins, how much he's throwing the ball. Wentz already got 87 throws. Uh, same deal on this side of the ball. We know Alshon Jeffrey came back, was was almost a game-time decision, and had a nice game. Uh, who wants to throw down on this one? Stags, you want it? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at Alshon Jeffrey, who had two touchdowns in that NFC Championship game, had a eight catches and a hundred plus yards last week in a TD. Uh, and you got to like starting him as a wide receiver, two or three, even though he's likely to see a lot of Xavier Rhodes. 
we know Carson Wentz is willing to give him the ball in contest catch situations. Uh, and that's something that Alshon Jeffrey thrives in and he's going to have to do it uh, against Xavier Rhodes. But, you know, Zach Ertz, seeing tons and tons of volume. He has 31 receptions uh, through the first four games of the season, um, you know, multiple 100-yard games. Uh, he, he's just doing it in um, volume, and those scores are probably eventually going to come for him. It is sort of a tough t- uh, matchup uh, against these, you know, linebackers and safety cores uh, of the Minnesota Vikings, but, you know, I think they watched what the Rams did and what the Bills did the last couple of weeks, and they know they can use play action passing, you know, with the Jai or whoever's back there under center and create some problems against Anthony Barr and coverage because that guy has been a major disappointment so far this year uh, in terms of Minnesota Vikings defenders. For sure. Um, anything else? Uh, yeah, Ertz, man, he's just, he's just, he's dialed, dialed the fuck in. Uh, go there. Anything there? Obviously, two weeks ago, got the touchdown. Uh, a big, big player in, in pickups last week. Didn't do crap on a stick for the most part this week. Is he going to be a part of this offense or now that Alshon's back? Really, no need. I, I, I just don't know where you're going to find the steady work. I think he's a nice piece for what they want as an NFL team. I just don't know that how he's going to be an effective uh, weekly contributor for you on a fantasy level. What do you say? Corey Clement, Corey Clement, anything there? Owners picked him up uh, two, three weeks ago. Uh, some have rolled with him. Is, is his opportunity done now that Jay's – kind of get into the lion's share again, is Smallwood overtake him? What should our advice be on that backfield? Uh, right now it's Jay Ajayi uh, and nobody else. But, you know, Corey Clement was out of the game unhealthy last week, inactive. So uh, he's got to get back healthy because he is their uh, primary pass-catching complement. And, you know, Spoles is another guy who needs time – you know, to come back from his own injury. So, uh, you know, I think it's a giant nobody at, at the current moment. Cool. Let's go on to the next game, and this is going to be Los Angeles Rams, 4-0. Anybody power rankings, number one team in the NFL currently. The defense is ridiculous. The offense is unstoppable. At the same team, we would have been saying this exact same thing about Three or four years ago, the Seattle Seahawks at two and two. Um, yeah, well, let's start with the Rams. Wish this was uh, back when the NFC West was uh, a sick division through and through, but uh, it's fallen off. What uh, Goff? You're an owner of Goff, or he's in a league. You're in a league where he's on the waiver wire still. <laughs> is Goff a guy that you would pick up or that you think that if you had another better quarterback or a quarterback that maybe has more points you could trade because you feel comfortable enough with Goff to ride the season out? I mean, he's putting up ridiculous numbers. Should you try and get some talent for another quarterback because Goff was maybe your third quarterback you drafted, second quarterback, but at the end of the day, he should be your number one. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, what what you do dictates what you're worth. So um, depending on who you have as your other quarterback, you know, I mean, it, it depends how wisely you chose there. But regardless of that, you're going to start Jared Goff. And, you know, this is not the same uh, Seattle defense that it was uh, three years ago. And they're not the same Seattle defense that they were one week ago as now they are without Earl Thomas. So zero. What's that? Legion of Zero. There's no yeah. one. <laughs> Legion of Zero. So with, with all of them gone, I mean, how do you not feel comfortable on a weekly basis starting either in any or all of Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, and Robert Woods? And, of course, you're starting Todd Gurley because he's Todd Gurley. So um, it, it, the problem is they don't have a tight end that's really worth uh, starting. Who cares? You don't need the tight end there. All that you need is those three wide receivers and Gurley, and you are golden. And that's why Goff is, uh, is, is, is as dynamic as he is. And Seattle was a middle-of-the-road defense, you know, maybe a little bit uh, above upper half uh, defense. But now without Earl Thomas, things just get tougher for this team. Before I go over to you, Stag Party, the, the, the crazy thing about this offense, this offense through their first four games, 400 and nearly 70 yards of offense. And then you look to the other side of this uh, matchup, the Seahawks are at essentially 300 yards of offense. Think about that. It's all, it, it's, uh, it's old. It's a hundred, it's 170 more yards per game. It's, yeah. It's shocking. The Rams are real fucking good. Um, like what Houdini said, you start golf, you start, Cup, you start Woods, you start Cooks, you start Gurley, and you enjoy a power in numbers football team uh, until something changes. All right. So let's talk. Let's talk to the other side. I agree. Oh, you got more? Go ahead. Just just real quick, like uh, what fun it was watching that game on last Thursday. Thanks. I want to say thank you to Stag Party for talking me into not worrying about starting Kirk Cousins. Uh, against that that defense last week because I had Cousins and Thielen. uh, And then in another league, I was going against Thielen, but I had Brandon Cooks, so it was a walk. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun, right? Yeah, Um, it was fun. (laughs) Let's flip over to the other side, talk about the Seahawks. And a a guy you're probably not starting anymore is Russell Wilson. You probably moved on to a Goff or a Mahomes, or you're streaming this weekend and looking for a guy like – Play portals on the waiver wire or an Andy Dalton. Hey Stags, uh, Stags, I got a, I got a question for a friend of mine, uh, who, happens friend. Be, who happens to be a Russell Wilson owner, but he also doesn't doesn't have a Holmes, but he's got uh, a Marcus Mariota. Would you start Mariota over him this week? Uh, would I start Marcus Mariota over Russell Wilson? Rankings check. Um, let's see. I have him one spot ahead, so go for it. All right. I'll tell my friend. Yes. Right as, now. He, as he mutes as he mutes his uh, mic and looks in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So I think the big question here, I agree with you, Russell Wilson. Mike Davis, two touchdowns last week. All of a sudden, everyone thinks that Rashad Penny's the worst draft pick of all time. He was the first draft uh, pick at the time. After, yeah. What do you think? Is Mike Davis a viable guy? People, 
Uh, he's probably available on a majority of uh, – is this going to ride out? Could this be um, – who's, who's the dude? I'm, I'm shocked I'm spacing this from a few years ago that had like a sick eight-game – Rawls? Is this Rawls 2.0? Yeah. Um, or or is this fool's gold and Carson will be back or they're going to realize they got to get Penny the deal? Well, Car- uh, Chris Carson's likely to be back this week. So there goes like you wouldn't you shouldn't blow your your fab on, you know, Mike Davis. But maybe you could, you know, throw a couple bucks at it. But I'm not spending any big money or a big priority waiver claim on Mike Davis because Carson's going to be back. And then they're saying that it's going to be a two or a three man committee with Davis involved. You know, once Chris Carson comes back, that's concerning. The overall volume for these guys isn't there. Um, You know, it's basically Doug Baldwin and then you don't want to start anybody else in this offense. Uh, You know, Nick Vanetta after that Will Disley injury, you know, wasn't, very involved, but he's on the field, you know, a considerable amount. So it, it's Doug Baldwin and nobody for me. And until we get some clarity about this running back situation, I do think you start uh, Davis if Carson's out and if Carson's in, you know, um, he's likely to be a flex play. The one thing I'll say, though, if you if you have like a deep bench, um, you know, Davis would be an interesting guy only for the simple fact of, you're going back to when you're thinking about a D-Rex, when you're thinking about Thomas Rawls, thinking about Pete Carroll, here's a guy that he doesn't really care who had the higher draft pick, this, that, or the other thing. He's picked guys up off the street and started them for a couple weeks in the stretch uh, and gotten good usage out of them. One thing I love, the Will Disley uh, tweet that he did uh, yesterday after the game where he was off of the season. Uh, I love this guy. I think I love the I love his future. His tweet was just as I thought. The sun came up today. Hashtag built for this. You know what? That's fucking awesome. He's like, I fuck. I'm done for the season. He's got to be pumped up, but he's just like the world. The world hasn't stopped. Can heal up, and I think the Seahawks fans and that offense found a great tight end in Disley. And I love it even more so because Pyromaniac Moe's been pushing him so hard on me because that was the guy that fucking Michael T. Thomas loved so much at the tight end position in this offseason, along with Godair, who have been two of the rookie tight ends that have actually done something. Uh, anything else you guys want to do here? Tyler Lockett, done. A, a nice two-game start, and he's just going to give you headaches from now on. He's going to have games that are hard to project. Uh, but, you know, he's he's a good handcuff if Baldwin never goes down again where he bumps to the slot and plays a lot of slot snaps. Um, but he's going to be one of those guys dependent on a big play. And right now this offense doesn't look like it likes big plays. <laughs> are, you, are you thinking Baldwin being back? I know we're all Baldwin fans in the show. But are you thinking Baldwin's back, he's going to be good to go, and you're expecting Baldwin things? Or are you tempering your expectations for yourself if you own him and play him or for our listeners? Um, Doug was out there playing a lot last week. I got nothing else to be concerned about, you know. Um, my, my concern is the Seattle offensive line. All right. I like it. 
All right. Wow. I like the way we're bowling through this. This is good. We're getting a ton of done on each team. We're not like hard. We're not like locking in on one team and doing 25 minutes. This has been a solid show. All right. Uh, Sunday Night Football in America, Cowboys at the Texans, Battle of Texas. Um, we're going to start with the Cowboys. Obviously, Elliot doing Elliot things. He's basically almost got 500 yards rushing already. I'm not sure if he leads the league, but I think he does. Um, just on fire, getting it done through the passing game, busting the long runs. Elliot, as I kind of thought, I think I had Elliott as my number two running back um, in this this season with uh, Dumbass Bell, my number one. But Elliott just gets it done. He's a stud. Doesn't even matter if that offensive line's not great. What's happening here? Can Prescott get shit going? Stags, you start out with this, and then Dini, let's throw in some uh, some end shockers on the uh, the Cowboys. I mean, it is really uh, Ezekiel Elliott. You know, he had a career high in scrimmage yards. They really got him involved as a receiver. They, you know, drew up some good plays for him last week, which is something that's a little bit rarer than it needs to be for that those guys. Um, they were, you know, they drew up some screens. They used some short motion in order to get him open on that screen. Um, they got him isolated on a linebacker late and, you know, he was playing in the slot. Uh, so it was great. Uh, if they're going to continue to use him like that, there is nothing to dislike about Ezekiel Elliott and there, uh, really, you know, never has been, you know, people screaming about, Oh, he lost his center. He's, you know, there was such a bad offense, but that's, that guy's just getting it done, man. Like there's nothing to dislike about him. The receivers, um, you know, Terrence Williams was inactive last week. Cole Beasley, the leading receiver, Tavon Austin, they're using as a vertical threat. Uh, Des Bryant coming out today saying he might be re signing with the Dallas Cowboys. And one of the funnier things that's happened, uh, the, the wide receivers there are just trash, um, right now, and you know, even when. You know, Dak Prescott is, is like 255 or 275. His likely high game this season, it might be. And we know he's not going to throw for big touchdown numbers. So you're really, really counting on him having to do it as a um, as a rusher to have a lot of fantasy viability. I mean, that's the crazy thing that even Dez would even want to come back to that um, trust. It, it, we know Dak's got zero rushing touchdowns this year. He's got he had zero touchdowns week one. He had one touchdown week two, one touchdown week three, and two touchdowns week four. Passing. He's got four touchdowns on the season. As we talked about earlier, and you know, we're gonna make this a little a little um, glorious, but Trubisky's got five touchdowns in one half. Houdini, what do you got on the rest of the Cowboy action? Well, it's you can't start Dak because of everything that you've said, and I, and I love, I love, uh, I want to clarify the point that Stag said. Cole Beasley is your number one wide receiver, <laughs> and Cole Beasley currently, uh, uh, as far as receiving yards goes, 
ranks 59th uh, in receiving yards in the NFL. 185 yards. 59. Julio, Julio had that on what five catches last week. And this is a much. I mean, all this is not just wide receivers though. This is wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. But if your number one wide receiver is the 59th, has the 59th most receiving yards in the league, you probably don't have very good wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree. Their best tight end is Jeff Swain. Uh, God, I remember we were t- trying to talk him up last week. He had his first career touchdown last week. We need to move on. I, I think in this team, it's Ezekiel Elliott's the only guy you can start. I, I know my, uh, my my partners here agree. Let's go over to the Texans where things get a little bit more exciting. Stags, Watson, get it. Deshaun Watson, 375, two TDs passing. Uh, added a rushing touchdown, 41 yards, what we thought we'd see from him. Um, you know, right now, the overall numbers we thought that would regress, his touchdown numbers have regressed, but he's still putting up, you know, passing yards uh, at, at a large rate. He's got DeAndre Hopkins, uh, and when healthy, you know, Will Fuller makes for a really dynamic duo at the position. And now you add in Kiki Kuti, uh you know, the third wide receiver who they used in so many different ways, you know, in swing and swing patterns, uh, they used them all over the field and, you know, just moved them around and got the ball in his hand. Uh, I don't know how much that would continue if you, you know, had a healthy Will Fuller, but you know, when you don't Kiki's gonna, you know, get outside of his car and dance, I guess. Well, the other thing is that Will Fuller, remember, he, he missed the first game of the year with his hamstring. So this is one of those uh, injuries that's kind of potentially be a nagging injury, and maybe they need to give it an extra week, uh, you know, in order to repair fully. Uh, but that just opens the door for this kid to get a lot more work. And the more work and the more productive you are like he was last week, then even when Fuller comes back, then all of a sudden – your offensive coaches go, well, hey, we we got to throw in an extra two or three plays for Kiki. And so I think that's that's the benefit for him. Uh, and then as far as the running game goes, same old story, Lamar Miller, if, if, he, if he doesn't get you a, a touchdown, it's just Trubsville. It's just not fun to watch. And 15 carries for 49 yards. I think the, I think the Texans should be trying to trade for Le'Veon Bell. I think the Texans should be trying to trade for – one of those Browns running backs. I think the Texans need to need to go for it. This window is not going to be an endless uh, deal, and their running back situation is for an offense that right now is putting over 400 yards up per game. It's not in due at all, in part to the run, to their backfield. Um, think about if they got a good running back situation. Uh, in that team, and they need it because they're, they're they're right now they're pretty much a an offensive team like we were talking about even the Chiefs or whatnot. The defense is a turnstile as well. Yeah, uh, you know, right now when you're looking at the starters, it's pretty clear if you know them. Um, I do think. This is a situation where you have to watch out for the pressure of the Cowboys, though. Demarcus Lawrence is uh, currently leading the league in sacks. Uh, so I do think he gets home and gets a few. 
but the Houston Texans defense themselves have been uh, trending up and getting J.J. Watt back healthy and, you know, Jadavion Clowney at the same time. That's been good. So I I think those guys are going to be, you know, good. Uh, The real thing is, is Will Fuller healthy? Because I think he adds a lot to the game and his vertical presence creates a lot of space, you know, for DeAndre Hopkins to work. And it'll even open up some for Kiki Kuti underneath, uh, you know, as a short area receiver. Tie game, 1-1, Cubbies. Yeah, Javi huh. just fucking knocked a double, scored a run. Let's do it. All right. Let's get on to the uh, game, uh, Monday Night Football game, last game of our slate. Well done, fellas. This is going to be a, a nice and – Kind of a short show for us. This is awesome. And I feel like we were able to really cover a lot of guys as well. So let's get um, to the Redskins down in the Bayou. New Orleans Saints. We'll start with the Redskins. Coming off uh, bye week. What what, What are you thinking here? It's kind of a mishmash. There's like, in my opinion, there's one fide guy that I would want in my lineup, so that's Chris Thompson. Second tier of that would be Jordan Reed. And when you're talking, Adrian Peterson has had a couple of two TPW, top positional week uh, games so far this season. And Crowder, who had an okay game in week three. This team ain't fantasy viable, really. I, I mean, here's the thing. The Saints have been the worst uh, defense in the league up until last week. Um, I, I don't think they're any good at all right now. Um, so it gives a lot of viability to a lot of fringe players, especially when you're playing at the Superdome and you know that Drew Brees is going to put up you know, fantasy points on his own. Um, so uh, you know that offense is going to put up points, force them to throw. But I do agree with you, Chris Thompson being the play at running back because I think they're going to get phased out quickly. Um you know, from a ground and pound style game, but the Redskins defense has been fairly tough and they're playing a slow down style um, offense, ball control, not give it up. But, you know, oh man, I think you can go out and you could stream Alex Smith and get pretty good production. I just don't know if it's enough to keep up with all these other quarterbacks and, and their ability to put up points. Um, so I think you're starting, you're starting Chris Thompson, you're starting Jordan Reed, um, Jamison Crowder, uh, is, is sort of a question mark, uh, for me. And then the rest of the receivers just haven't, you know, shown enough viability to be in lineups. What about, uh, what about Peterson though? It's last in week three, he had 120 yards and two TDs. He probably his best game in two and a half, three years. He had his be- probably his best game pre- Slapping his son's ass with a, a reed stick. I mean, I just think they get, you know, ran a little bit here. That they can't stick to a run game because they have, uh, you know, they've got to, you know, try and keep up with the Saints on offense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, well that's why I kind of think that this is finally maybe a breakout game for Jamison Crowder. And I, and I understand where the trepidation comes in. He's gotten four targets only in each of the first four, first three games. So, you know, it, you also, we, we were not seeing, 
and again, this is also them being really reliant on on heavy Adrian Peterson carries, right? Because you gave him 19 carries uh, in week three and 26 carries in the opener. Um, you know, then he had the dud against uh, the Colts. But um, I think, again, with it being the Saints and being that they're going to be putting up the points that they are, uh, and again, with, uh, you know, with that, you're going to have to not just check down all the time. And maybe maybe this is finally one where they'll, move Crowder around a little bit more and, and, and get him more involved. I think they really need to. But definitely Chris Thompson for me is, is an easy runaway. Yes, I'd start him in every league I have him if I did. I like I like what you said there a lot, Beanie. Um, and it's too bad Adrian Peterson doesn't have any gumption whatsoever uh, in the passing game. When you look at straight up rushing Adrian Peterson to the number one player in all of fantasy right now, uh, that's not a quarterback, maybe, but Alvin Kamara at a rushing level. Adrian Peterson's got 56 carries. Alvin Kamara's got 56 carries. Adrian Peterson, 236 yards. Alvin Kamara, 275. Not all that much more. Uh, Peterson's at a 4.2 clip. Al, uh, Alvin's at a 4.9. And Adrian's got himself uh, three touchdowns and Kamara five. Let's not, let's not. Beat around the bush. Adrian Peterson's through three games has been sort of a workhorse and been sort of timeless and kind of getting it done. I know we want to feel like that might just be um, uh, something start of the season and might not uh, carry on, but in my opinion, Adrian Peterson after that bye week and knowing that like He's probably on cloud nine. He probably was working his balls off throughout that whole thing, conditioning. I, I'm liking Adrian Peterson's ability um, to score fantasy owners points. I think he's an RB2 right now until differently. And I get, I agree. The last three years, Adrian Peterson has been a fucking headache. But he's finally got a shot on a team that's actually all right. And he's looking good. And, and he actually has – uh, a hundred receiving yards already. The the issue, the issue <laughs> with Adrian Peterson right now is he's unhealthy. Uh, he's got an ankle injury. He says he's going to be there, but the team's saying he's likely to, you know, maybe miss this game. The bye week did come at the right week for him, but he's got an ankle, and who knows if he's going to be there? And can who else do you have? I mean, if you've got you know, Mark Ingram or Alvin Kamara, I think you're likely starting them both over Adrian Peterson. So you're maybe starting Adrian Peterson in your flex spot. And if not, you've got to pick up a guy like Dotson. Is that something you want to do? No. Great, great segue, though. Let's go to New Orleans Saints. It doesn't even matter if we didn't talk about Reed. It doesn't matter. Ingram's coming back. Kamara's the number one player in my opinion, in fantasy football right now. Maybe, probably behind only Mahomes. Um, is this going to change the outlook from week five to the rest of this 2018 season for Alvin Kamara? Or is it just like a secondary role, Ingram's going to be uh, part two? I mean... I do think it changes the outlook a little bit, right? I don't think it's going to be Mark Ingram for 20 t- 
touches, though, but I still think they want him to be the primary ball carrier between the Chonies. They do like Alvin Kamara's ability to score in the red zone as a rusher and as a receiver, uh, and we know how much they like him as a receiver in general. So I, I think you know Mark Ingram is going to be in the 15 to 16 touch range uh, because they want to keep you know Alvin Kamara healthy for the long term. I mean the Saints. Uh, you know, played a, a pretty good start to the season. Um, you know, doing what needs to be done. What, what are they at? Are they three and one at this time? Yeah. Yep. I mean, eventually you're going to start looking ahead and planning for the playoffs. And, and when you do that, you need Alvin Kamara out there. Uh, but Kamara's got, you know, averaging 150 scrimmage yards per game. He handled the rock. You know, as a runner last week, 19 times, which is a career high for him. Um, He's just so good that they're not going to completely take him off the field. But could he see, you know, maybe five less touches? I think that's a possibility. Plus, this is a sort of big week for Drew Brees. Uh, You know, if he throws for basically 200 yards in this game, he's going to surpass, you know, two Hall of Famers, surpass – Brett Favre and Peyton Manning for the most passing yards in NFL history. I think they want him to do that at home in the Superdome. And that's something they want to make sure that gets done. So it might be at the expense of the running game a little bit. Yeah. The way, the way I look at it though, with the running game though. So Mark Ingram will come back. Mark Ingram is going to get some touches. Ellen Kamara, Kamara is, um, it's still going to get his. I'll be interested to see what percentage of plays they actually have them both out there on the field at the same time. Uh, because, you know, on those plays where you're going to end up motioning Kamara out as a receiver, you know, still having Ingram back there as a threat uh, to run the ball keeps the defense in check. And gives it's going to be a lot. You know, it should be a lot. Right. It really should be. So, you know, and even look at what they did last week. I mean, they gave uh, Taysom Hill – was all these coming in and, and these uh, showing this this new look and, and giving him carries. So they've been having to spread the ball out. I mean, they gave two carries to Gillisley, two to Dwayne Washington. Uh, Ted Ginn had a carry. So they've been trying to supplement not having to make Kamara be that load back um, because he is such an all-around weapon. So I think with Ingram back there, the, the thing that scares you the most is – What's going to happen in the red zone? And is he going to eat into the touchdown production? Because that's a legitimate fear. Nice strikeout. Cubby, sorry. I care about fantasy football. There we go. All right. Um, Let's move on over to the wide receiver action. I mean, are we down here? It's Michael Thomas and then nobody. Because this team could be very, you know, centric on Alvin. I mean, they're already the most concentrated offense in the NFL between two players, between Michael Thomas and between Alvin Kamara. I don't see that suddenly changing with Ingram back in there. But, you know, Alvin Kamara's pace as a, you know, receiver uh, is extraordinary. So he might be their second slot receiver. Um, It's... He might be their de facto slot receiver when all is said and done here because he's such a talent, uh, you know, in that 
area, working the short area of the field, and then just making people miss with his balance uh, and his glide, man. Uh, I love Kamara, I, I and obviously I wish I had fallen in love with him the way Trump fell in love with uh, Kim earlier in the summer. Because right now I would be four and zero in two leagues. That guy, I love. I love Kamara. I've read articles in Rolling Stone and uh, Sports Illustrated, Bleacher Report. This guy is just like he doesn't give a fuck. He just doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna be a stud player in the NFL for a long time. I'm a stud. The Saints are lucky and. I, I, I don't give a shit. I'm not focused on anything else other than playing football. He's focused, dude. He might, with the nose rings and all the tattoos or the dreads, you might think he's just like, the guy doesn't go out. He's just locked in. He's just like this weird, awesome dude. Anyway, sorry, get fired up. But Alvin Kamara I've tweeted out about three or four stories in the last two weeks across these websites about him. Read them all. He's so much different than you would ever anticipate. Nice. Uh, I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I understand it's like the two-man show there uh, uh, and then Ingram coming in. One guy, though, to keep your eye on, you know, uh, is Cameron Meredith. You know, he, he's now been back for two weeks. He had a touchdown in his first week. He had four targets, three catches, 32 yards last week. Um, dropped the tee last week. Yeah, he didn't turn his head. He didn't turn his head in time in order to in, in order to make that catch. But look, he's he's a guy that they uh, that they like, and uh, they've been looking for someone. And and, and look, Ted Ginn, um, he he out targeted Ted Ginn, and Ted Ginn uh, was zero for three on his targets. So, yeah, right, boys, cool, nice work. We ran through it. We did it. Well done. We didn't have to go over three hours, which is uh, always a, a victory. Stag party. High fives to you, brother. Go check out the uh, Cubbies game. It is a good one. We're in the ninth inning, and it's still a good one. Uh, Houdini, awesome stuff, always. Uh, next week, let's try and uh, we'll do it together. And um, to you, Pyro listeners, thanks for hearing us out. This is week five. Get that shit going on. It's you gotta get these victories going on in this season. Arrive in week five from your boys of Pyro, Houdini, Stag Party, D Rex. We out.